Hello and welcome to the RKP Podcast. My name is Noah. And my name is Gavin. <laughs> and we're the Blanchard Brothers. I'm just getting in the mood. The Blanchard Brothers. Yeah. Something like that. It's going to yeah. be a good time today. It's going to be great. Yeah. Right. Uh, we've been, we put this one off for a little while. Yes. Because it's it's a monster as far as I'm concerned. Yes. This is the most excited I've been about a two by two retro review since we started doing this. Yes. Hopefully people are enjoying it. I see more people are catching up. Really? Good, yeah, pe- oh. more way more people than I expected on the Cutter's Way Wasabi episode. Really? Yeah. Uh, maybe we got that elusive French audience Ooh. in there. Who yeah. knows? A lot of Jean <laughs> Renault fans, perhaps. There's uh, one person in Morocco who just pings. <laughs> Listen to it like four times. Yeah, no, he's got it on all of his search tabs. It's like when anything new Jean Renault related yeah. pops up, let me know. So that's Philippe, us. Philippe. That's what that's where we're here for. Philippe and thank obscure, you. obscure John Heard movies from yes. from the early eighties. Yes, yeah. Oh, lost man. classics. Uh, okay, so yeah, hopefully that's what everybody... we should have called this is lost classics because that's all you've been handing me, especially with these two. Well, well this I, one that I you mean, gave me. They're not all going to be gold. I'm very interested to see what you make of my my next pick. Me but too. We'll get to that at the end of the yes. episode. And before we kick off, what I'm sure will be fantastic session of two by two retro reviews uh what what else you've been watching man i got a list here i got a list as well so kick it off you want to do uh, lay it on me i got one i got one tv okay so you start there sure i watched all of homecoming season two okay uh i cannot speak on it because i haven't watched it i haven't watched season one either uh this is a whole new cast or this is a continuation yes but with a different lead character is, um, if that's spoiling, you don't have no, to No, 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 it, it's not spoiling. I'm just trying to think There's of no something Julia else. Roberts. No. Not to spoil season one for those who haven't but, seen it, but maybe you wouldn't expect her to be so, around. It's so back to the future part two, this is what was going on, why Marty oh, was doing this, okay. that you're okay, like, okay. I don't even care that Julia's not in it, you know? All right. And what affiliation do you have with the podcast? What podcast? It began as a podcast. Oh, so I, I, okay. I've never even listened to it, dude. I know you mentioned it beforehand. That's why I'm still kind of like, huh? Right now, I haven't even bothered listening to it. I don't know if I want to. I don't, yeah, and I don't know how long that went on. I don't know if season two was jumping off. And so I, you know, I don't know. I can't speak on it, but, and I haven't heard reaction on season two, like good or bad. And I, I mean, Janelle you know, Monet thought I think was there should be in everything movie-wise. She's really great. Annabellum at some point yes. this year. I don't know if that's going to end up making its way to vod or not but Hopefully not. i'm interested i still don't know what to make of those trailers but me neither we'll see what happens uh so that's your only tv yeah uh i crushed normal people on hulu it's a 10 out of 10 one of the best things i've seen so far this year right up there with devs um just incredible about young love in ireland Ooh. in the present day uh tracks a couple very like very much tracks them there's not a lot of peripheral stuff going on uh meet in high school and their relationship through college it's it it spans some time it's got a lot of richard linklater in it okay linklater dna for sure but it's an adaptation of a book by sally rooney which is apparently a huge hit and a bestseller and so it has a huge fan base built in for that but uh, I came late to the party just because it was one of those I kept hearing, like, you got to watch this show. It's incredible. And I, I dove in, and, you know, two nights later, I was done with it. It's 12 episodes, about 30 minutes a pop. Uh, and I highly recommend it, dude. Hmm. Good, 
good romantic and it's steamy as well like genuinely like this is this is some hot stuff do you remember (laughs) them like crazy with anton yelton like it was uh, I mean, start of the 2010s. They, I didn't see it. Me neither. I, I mean, well, I, I think I may have watched poster, like, Yeah, sure. it just that you're just talking about like it follows them and whatnot. Like I, that reminds me of that. So uh, well, and that'll transition into some of my my rewatches. Oddly enough, but uh, let me see other TV. Finished Magic for Human season three. Have you checked it out yet? No, Any I have it. I got a lot of movies I got. I watched. Gotcha. I, dude, perfect show though. They're like 20 minute episodes. Perfect show to just throw on when you're like, I don't have time for a whole movie. Yeah. I don't have time to commit to anything and you can watch it in chunks too, but the episodes are super short. So again, Magic for Humans, highly recommend it. Tried to savor it. Couldn't do it. Cross season three and did, I guess it came out wait, last did, week. I'm not sure. Did I think you should leave? Did I already come back season two? I, I don't know what's going on with I think you should leave. I don't know if we're getting a season two specifically. I don't know. Yeah. I thought we were because I remember after season one, I assume my buddy so, Zan sent no, me up. Nothing has happened uh, yet. I scrolled by it today. That's the only reason I actually gotcha. know that for okay. a fact. But um, yeah. Uh, run wrapped up its run uh, yesterday. Okay, so Sunday. I can binge all of that now. Yeah. Okay, good. And it's a, it's a soft recommend for me. It's one of those, by the time we got to the end, a lot of it felt kind of rushed and like it was more, here's possible setup for a season two, which is not really where I thought we were going with this. I thought it was going to have kind of a, a clean closing point on it. For some reason, I thought it was eight and then realized it was seven. And then I, seven is very much a, like, not a cool cliffhanger. It's more of a, what? Like, Hmm. That's where you're leaving it? Hmm. Don't know if they're going to get renewed for a season two. This may be one of those one-off HBO shows that doesn't really, like, I, and my interest would, uh, it's waning. It would have to be peaked by, like, a really good trailer. I enjoyed the performances, but overall the story and the pacing was kind of all over the place. It was, you know, I'm not mad I watched it. I would still recommend checking it out. It's only seven episodes and they're half hour, but... And just in terms of the recent run of HBO stuff, it's really, it's one of the weaker, weaker offerings. So this this just a question I've been I've been throwing around. We don't have to get too deep into it. Okay. If you so like, let's say you've got carte blanche to do a season one and season two, right? Mm -hmm. But it's so the money's gonna be the same. Would you, while you got everybody, shoot? everything for one and two and be done and sell it as here's one here's your season one and regardless of whether or not you regardless of whether or not people like it people want to watch more like you have season two banked because i feel like a lot of shows oh they're shooting one season you know it, that's kind of replaced pilot season they like you you shoot one season and you especially with netflix stuff you make it so you're written heavily so that like it's cliffhangers and you want a season two but I'm just wondering if you had the chance, not knowing how it was going to be received, but the money was there, would you just go ahead and say, hey, you know what, instead of doing all this for one, I'm going to like pinch my penny, Robert Rodriguez style, and like get enough to shoot a full two seasons worth of material and story-wise and everything. I'll cut one together and I'll give one to whoever's buying it. And I won't let them know, hey, I've got two in the I mean, bag. I don't know if you can, like, legally do that. I think you could, though. <laughs> I mean, you could do that. It seems a little disingenuous. And then your actors are, what, only getting paid for, you know. I don't know how all that works out. 
Well, I mean, you pay them for the job. Like, it's whatever. You pay them <laughs> okay. for what, what script. So I'm saying, if you so have script material. the question is, would I do that? Would you cut down, would you, all right, so would you cut down what you had in a one season to make it two? Let's, let's just answer that. Like, if you had enough. No, I would put everything I could okay. into the first season to make the best product possible. Right. And then hope that I got renewed for a second season. Okay. Which is basically what I have an issue with with this show where I'm like, I felt like they introduced a lot of things late in the game that it was like there's no time for any of this to actually pay off. Right. And so as you're closing in on the end of the season, you're like, this all just feels like setup, but not elegant setup and not like, oh, I'm excited to see where this goes. It's more just like I would have liked a satisfying end to most of this instead of a lot of things kind of just left up in the well, What if you found out like tomorrow that, oh, they already had season two in the bag waiting for you. But I know that they don't. Yeah, yeah. But like if fact. you did tomorrow, would it change your... Would I be excited? That they did that, yeah. Or would you? Ch- would it change your ex- your like your opinion on how they left your season one? No, because I still think it's a, it's a weak spot to to leave it. Regardless, it's one of the clumsiest like cliffhangers I've I've seen basically. And hmm. I don't know if they'll get another season. That was <coughs> excuse me. It's a safe cough. Okay, just a little, you know. Oh, by the point. way, I need to let you know. Um, I had two people that went out and got tested because they possibly like were exposed both tests yes. came back negative negative so I'm, I'm still good good to know yeah good to hear mm-hmm. hope everybody else is doing well out there yeah <clears throat> what's your other tv besides that my other tv i think i finished midnight gospel which was great uh i know this much is true i know you probably watched the next one of that yeah i we did had, we hadn't recorded since yeah, that so i was able to catch my breath mm-hmm. not quite as emotionally wrenching as the first two mm-hmm. but uh still great still loving it simultaneously very sad and also relieved that there's only three more okay because uh, it's it's not not a fun watch it's incredible it's great it's one of the best things on tv right now probably going to be on my top 10 for the year i can already tell you that uh but again i don't, I don't know if that's what people want right now <laughs> i don't know if that's what most people are in the mood for just getting emotionally wrecked by a show once a week but you know and normal people on that note a lot of feels a lot of feels um, yeah <laughs> so heads up on that one as well um <clears throat> i think that about wraps it up on the tv front haven't checked out the most recent what we do in the shadows they're coming on the last like three or four of the season uh the last dance wrapped up i don't know if we did we record post last dance? We did Capone, I think, like right afterwards. No, Capone. We started. It was going to wrap the next it was that day. night. Yeah. Yes. Uh, ten out of ten. Fantastic. I heard a lot of re- you know. Actually, three three favorite shows of the year so far: Normal People, Devs, and The Last Dance. For people that are listening, I I listen. I actually turned my give a shit. my um my radio on to the one oh seven five because that's the only station I listen just to see like what those guys are doing with no sports on, uh-huh. and a lot of talk is like reaction to it so it was interesting to hear like they had a bit about malone and how like you know somebody was you know uh isaiah thomas you know just like not wanting to like shake hands and all that but like malone not bothering jordan but then you know the second year after he loses because jordan stole it from him and like you know iced it he makes an attempt to like go on the bus as they're leaving and that's just like good show of sportsmanship stuff like that so you know, you still haven't watched. No, it, I'm, but hearing all this other inside stuff, I'm like, okay, it is definitely something I got to get to because it's one of those. I, I mean, but I want to be able it to. It like, was and still will continue to be one of the cultural events of the year outside of you know the grander scheme of what's going on in the yeah. world. 
it is one of those crazy things that like every single Sunday night, Twitter's on fire. All yeah, these like I, think pieces and, the and, next day. But like you, everybody but you was know obsessed that, like, with it for the the five weeks. And I'm sure that like regardless of the situation, had they dropped this in a regular thing, just with the way the OJ doc was, people would it'd still be on fire. It'd still be lighting the sports world up right now because yeah, no, but it had, it definitely had even more eyes on it first run than it oh, would yeah. have given the circumstances. I think, but yeah, I'm. And there's already been like, can you can it be up for Oscars? And it it, it won't be up for Oscars, but Mm-mm. it'll win all the Emmys, I'm I mean, sure. Brady's Brady has one thanks to that, I guess. They're doing like a nine part with him on all his trips to the Super Bowl. Gotta be honest, don't really care. Not excited. I'm I'll interested. Pro- I might watch it. I I'm interested. Okay. Uh, so we'll transition into movies. Do you want? First timers or rewatches? Give me your first timers. Okay. First timers since the last time we recorded. Medium Cool from 1968 or 69. I'm not hmm. sure. Uh, directed by Haskell Wexler. Hmm. Starring with Mr. Robert Forster from Jackie Brown, Twin Peaks The Return, etc. Alligator back in the day. Uh, it's about a cameraman. Centered around the 68 Democratic National Convention, where an actual riot broke out. They filmed some of the riot, incorporated into the movie. The movie's a mix of documentary and narrative. Never really seen anything like it. Couldn't believe it came out when it came out. Mm-hmm. Super political, super fucking interesting. It's in the Criterion Collection. It's been sitting on my shelf for like three or four years. Finally watched it. Wish I'd watched it sooner. Not really much else to say. Mm. I could throw it into retro reviews at some point, and And I just might, because... Oh my, it's one of those you watch and you're like, this is, they're talking about today, right? Like, just today, right? And you're just like, yeah, fucking history repeats itself. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things don't change. Really pre- interesting, really interesting watch. So that would just be a wreck. I might just give that one to you just to check out at your leisure. Maybe we'll talk about it. Don't have yeah, to do I like a do full that. on retro review, but great movie. Um, I did Bad Education. The HBO Films release, Mm -hmm. Hugh Jackman, Alice and Janney, about the biggest public school embezzlement, I don't know, public or private, I don't know if it matters, um, embezzlement scandal in American history. Wow. In Long Island, I believe, Staten Island, one of the two, one of the islands, something up there. One of the boroughs in New York, we got it. If you're not familiar with the story, I wouldn't want to spoil it. It's a real, like... Super well made, really well acted. I'm talking like probably top three Hugh Jackman performances. What? He's pretty incredible in it. So like this, Australia and Wolverine. Yeah, it's about that <laughs> Wolverine specific origins, X Men Origins Wolverine. Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah, that one. Not Logan. Not Logan. <laughs> like yeah. Wolverine. We don't, we don't acknowledge X two. X two. No, no, sorry. The last stand. We wanted the last but, stand. No, in like from. Do we need to have that conversation? What? You made me stop and think, and I'm like, what are my other Jackmans? Yeah, you should. The Fountain. Yes. That's up there for me. Uh, The Prestige? No? I, he is great. Yeah. But him and Bale are just like, I, I know, know, dude. Um, we don't have to do this right now. We'll no, we can do Yeah, time. we can save, yeah. He's very, very good in this. Allison Janney is as well. She's great in everything. Honestly, I could, could have had a little more of her. That would have been awesome. Uh, Jimmy Tatro from 
Real Bros of Simi Valley. Mm-hmm. Their season got cut short, so I'm like, oh, dude, my boy, like this will be awesome. And he's in like literally two minutes of the show or the movie. <laughs> but um, some great like almost like you know all the president's men like journalistic thriller shit there is some genuine like tension and shit that's really really well done hmm. it's the guy who did thoroughbreds uh from a couple years ago i don't know if you ever caught that i don't think so solid movie i think that was his debut but uh yeah i recommend it it's on hbo right now you can go check it out maybe we can talk about it more in depth but i think you would enjoy it it's up your alley for sure in terms of like real you know oh yeah i'm sure true crime sort of stuff essentially but, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I watched The Lovebirds on Netflix. Camille Nanjiani and Issa yes. Rae. You didn't check this one out? No. No. Okay, so this was going to come out in theaters. Then the world got put on pause for as far as movies are concerned. Uh, and Netflix swooped in and picked this one up. Hmm. And I feel like a lot of people, the conversation seems to kind of be like, good, good for them because they don't you know they don't think this movie would have done great theatrically actually huh. and it honestly feels to a lot of people like oh this for if this was a netflix original straight up like oh, it's pretty solid but this is a movie movie this is a real movie this yeah. is a movie this is a but theater like, movie. but if this came out in the theater i don't I mean, it's, it's a little on the short side even for a comedy or and i love both of them and they kind of hold it together Mm-hmm. The plot is kind of all over the place, and the tone never quite settles into what kind of comedy it wants to be. It doesn't quite go dark enough to have like a really twisted side to it, but it's also got those like violent elements in it too. Just a little tonally unbalanced. But again, they're charming people. They are flat out movie stars. Like they had great chemistry. I liked them in it, but it's you know. It, you could do a lot worse, I feel oh, like, sure, for yeah. current comedies. Uh, but yeah, The Lovebirds on Netflix. I give you a soft recommend. You could, you could so, it, soft recommend is that like, like your new phrase you're going with? I can dig it. No, I'm it's not my new phrase. I say it all the time. I'm just oh. saying, like, I'm not telling people like, oh, you should definitely go check this out immediately. I'm just saying, like, if you throw it on in the afternoon, it's an hour and a half long comedy, and you're gonna chuckle a little bit. You're not gonna be mad at it. Probably, it's a soft recommend. You know, no, yeah, soft selling it. Yeah. So that's what I got. Okay. You want me to go? You want me to go rewatches? Or you want to throw something? At do, me? do you do you want me, do you want me to give you my my first times? Sure thing. My first times. Uh, number one, uh, Chato's way or Chato way, but I don't know. It's a Bronson is a an Apache Indian being hunted by Jack Palance. Not familiar. Western. It's free on. We'll Prime. go with Chato's way yeah. for five hundred. Yes, okay. that's it. Um, How was it? It was good. I wasn't <laughs> expecting. Listen, Bronson to me, you can't get any better than him in. Magnificent Seven. When it comes to Western, once upon a time in the West, but okay. When it comes to when to me, he's just you know he's just out there. He's you know oh well I guess this I'm I'm working I'm trying to make money. Is there any pay? No. All right. Well I'll get my tools. Let's go. Mm -hmm. And yes, of course, once upon a time in the West. But (laughs) yes, of course. Well, I mean, yeah, but I just that's it's so long, you know. But this one was neat because it's essentially he's it's. Starts out right in the opening. Some uh, he's an Apache. He's in a saloon. Guy Charles tries to pull on him, and he blows him away. And he's like, "Well, I'm on the run." And he just bolts into Apache territory. And of course, Jack Palance and I think a very young John Voight. I can't, I couldn't tell, 
and I didn't. I didn't bother to look it up. I didn't. I wasn't even thinking about it. Just it looked like him, and I was like, "That's John Boyd." Didn't bother me, but I need to check it. Um, John Boyd. They're just, but they just, you know, they follow him in and it becomes like, oh, they're hunting him. But then like, oh no, he's on his own territory. So now he's hunting them kind of thing. Really good. I remember seeing it in Sycamore a ton and he, you know, the way you, if you look at the cover art from like a a box BHS, you can't tell it's Bronson. It just, it doesn't look like him at all. Uh, So that was the first. Uh, What else? I uh, watched a, I'm assuming it's a low budget. I don't know what it was, but this movie called Dark Encounters. It randomly I, just I saw that you saw yeah. it. Yeah. What you what is school? what is Dark Encounters about? So a year after a little girl goes missing, her family experiences some unexplained phenomenon and lights in the sky, alien possible visiting, which leads them to discover the truth behind what actually happened to their little girl's disappearance. Okay. Really, really solid use of like lighting. There's not a lot of jump scares, there's not a lot of like Oh, it didn't like blow the pants off, but at the end when I get the payoff, it 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 brings it all around full circle. And I'm like, oh, I fucking all right. I'm I'm not. I love when my pants get blown off yeah. in a horror movie, dude. Well, dude. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's all the thing. It's it. not. It's not like a. It's not a sixth sense. It's not a fourth kind. It's not a Mothman. Not a Mothman. Okay. But it. But okay. it's it's serviceable. It's shot really well. Looks really good. I don't like I said I didn't look into it to see if it had had a theatrical release or if it was just like it, an Amazon sure it's movie. Just straight to VOD yeah. and then Amazon Prime has it for free yeah. right now. Yeah. And nobody familiar, but a lot of people who look like a lot of people. Like, <laughs> like there was a lady who looked like Rose Byrne, and I was like, "Is that no? That's not her." Is that you know? Rose Byrne. Oh, yeah, <laughs> is, that is that Dean Kane? <laughs> Dean Kane was not in this movie, um, but it was it was good. I I would be it would be a soft recommend. All right. Um, you can have that by the way. Thanks. It's all right. Be a a lukewarm recommend. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Also, be a Luke Wilson recommend. <laughs> okay. Um, Luke Wilson recommend. I, I probably need to go watch a little bit more around it, but I did sit down and finish the game of death. Okay. The they have like all the Bruce Lee's in Prime right now, right? Mm, everything but Enter the Dragon. Okay. For, for Fist of Fury, I did find a new Fist of Fury, Jackie Chan. Do you remember the, like the two the two disc VHS ones we have, like the two case ones, be two movies back to back we had. Yeah. I don't know if they're still in that China piece or they not. They sure are. Fuck yeah. <laughs> um, but I watched the, our version, the American version you got, not the one that because I remember being sold on Game of Death as oh he's got to fight through this pagoda to like save his girlfriend because Game of Death is the one. That was completed posthumously, right? So and he's like, so he starts. Most of it's not even him. He starts making it. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's luckily he started shooting the end first. Enter the Dragon gets greenlit with eight hundred thousand dollars behind a Chinese, you know, action film. So he goes and does Enter the Dragon. Okay, he begins to work on Game of Death again, and he dies. So Enter the Dragon comes out after he's dead, mm-hmm. and then Game of Death is completed. Five years later in 78, I believe. Seven or maybe 76. Yeah. can't remember what year it is. But there was 100 minutes of footage shot. Most of it is the end fight scenes with Kareem and um, the other two guys that are in the pagoda. And they basically switch it around. And instead of it being on this mysterious island he has to go to to, like, fight and, like, when it was... Originally, it's he and other people are recruited to go get this mysterious thing that's at the top of this pagoda that you don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. He fights his way through... But they don't have any notes on what was going to be up there. They don't know anything about, like, they have so much missing that he just didn't fill out that they had to fill in the gap. So it becomes, oh, he's a martial artist, 
and a movie star stuntman. He's getting pressure by like a syndicate and also Hollywood executives. So he fakes his death. And when his girlfriend is like, I'm going to get revenge, he has to stop her and come out of hiding. In the end sequences, he's going basically to to finish everybody off and he has to go through this like warehouse building. Very. There's, they went into detail on this. And in did you watch the. It was like a kung fu doc that was on Netflix recently. I don't know if it was produced by them or released by them. But released within the last like six months. Is it Way of the Way of the Warrior, Bruce Lee? No, it's not specifically about Bruce oh. Lee. It's about just kung fu cinema. Yeah, through the ages, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they highlight that specifically. Yeah. Well, so apparently, um, there's Bruce Lee Way of the Warrior that came out a few years ago. That has almost forty minutes of footage that they thought they had lost, and a lot of people still think that Golden Harvest in their vault somewhere. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more footage. But because he was in the middle, like I said, he's in the middle of working on it when Enter the Dragon got lit. So he quit, put that on pause, and went and started working on the Enter the Dragon. So it's a pretty perfect segue into another one of my rewatches, which is kind of a weird one, kind of a first timer almost. Last night, I took part in 36 Cinemas screening of Shogun Assassin. Oh. So they screened Shogun Assassin, which is the first two Lone Wolf and Cub movies. Right. Smooshed together and re-edited for the American audience. Dubbed over. But also with a dope soundtrack added to it. I love the original music and the entire Lone Wolf and Cub franchise. But the scents on this are pretty, like, they're pretty crazy. <clears throat> so, 36. 36 Chambers. Wu-Tang. Okay. The RZA. Okay. Good commentary. This is his, like, company adventure. Gotcha. And so, not a lot of, like, insights into the movie that I didn't already know, but the cool stuff was hearing about how it influenced Liquid Swords, the Jizza album, which mm-hmm. he produced and has all sorts of audio drops from Shogun Assassin specifically. Hmm. The American dub and, like, you know, incorporates that and incorporates elements of the soundtrack, which is the American soundtrack, not the original. Um, so that was cool. And I had actually... I have the Criterion Collection of all the Lone Wolf and Cub movies, which I have watched in their entirety. I've gone through twice now, but I've never stopped and watched Shogun Assassin because I was just like, okay, that's like this weird smushed together edit or whatever. So it was technically my first time watching that, but I did have commentary over it. But also it was cool because like they were taking Q&A throughout it. It's him and the other guy that runs 36 Cinemas. And then they had like a moderator guy who would jump in with like, these are questions that were sent in through mm-hmm. email and stuff and you could like ask questions while they were live watching but they did they were great about like all right now we're gonna shut the fuck up so we can watch like yeah. this cool scene um so that was a lot of fun that's really like the first like live stream thing i've done yeah we were gonna do that halloween thing in quarantine but super fun so i'm looking forward to what I, that was only the second thing they've done like that but it's 10 bucks you you can use your paypal you pay for it all online of course and then they send you a code an hour before it starts and you can go in, go ahead and log into the cinema, basically, and they're just like, they have like chill, like either they're either playing an album or like actively DJing and putting stuff in there, and hmm. then you just hang around until it starts. They do a little pregame conversation, and then you watch the movie, and then they did a little, they continued the Q and A um, afterwards, so it ran for about two hours total. Oh, so pretty bad. fun. What sounds like fun? Uh, yeah, so. Not like I can recommend like, hey, go check that out. But it was a cool one-time experience. And I do highly recommend um, 
most people, if you have HBO, you're getting HBO Max uh, when it transitions, which is on the 27th, which I believe is Wednesday, so probably right around the time you're listening to this episode. Um, I think we would have to sign up because we have HBO through Prime. So I think it's going to be a separate app and we might want to cancel our Prime end and jump on the Max train because the library is going to be ridiculous, but they have a ton of Criterion movies, including the entire Lone Wolf and Cub franchise that will be on there immediately. They have all the Studio Ghibli movies. They just, it's going to be awesome. Hmm. I don't know if you've looked at that. They have over 600 titles announced for launch, and that was enough to make me like, okay, I need to cancel the Amazon one and switch it over. But if you have HBO Now, you're going to transition automatically if you I have thought, it through other services. I thought we had HBO Now. We were just using Prime to view HBO. No, because I no, remember we watching have HBO H- as a subscription through Amazon. Oh, I and thought- as I understand it right now, there are no plans for that to transition automatically. Now there may be a new app through Amazon, but right now it doesn't sound like there's any plans. So in the next week, I may I be sending you, well, you a code. To- I, s- I say you download it and see if you could just use the login or whatever you had saved for. But that's what I'm saying. The login is the Amazon Prime profile. That's it's weird. not a separate thing through HBO. I just remember us having the HBO. This is HBO trying to take it out of the realm of third-party people. They want you coming back to them directly. Right. Essentially. Huh. They're in the midst of trying to reach an agreement with Amazon, which will allow Max on there, but it's not settled yet. It's not going to be settled for launch. So maybe I'll just do a free trial. I don't know. Yeah, do the free trial. But anyways, if people are doing that, you can watch all the Lone Wolf and Cub movies, and I highly recommend that you do, because they're some of the best action movies ever made, period. Okay. This is the Lone Wolf and Cub is the like the western sequence in Sidekicks where they go and get milk. That's what that is, right? Yes. Okay. Just exactly making sure. That. I'm just making sure. You nailed it. Yeah, okay. All you people who love Mandalorian, there's a reason. Okay. Yeah, Fuckers. Okay. Go watch it. Go get educated. <laughs> um Okay. You wanna go? You want me to go? Um, like 30 minutes of the episode we, we go, haven't even kicked off i mean i i'll run through my my rewatches real quick and then i'll give you my last brand new one because i had one more brand new one um right. so rewatched kiss of the dragon gently rewatched uh that's the one with um is it bridget fonda yes in there okay and techie carrier was the bad yep, guy yep. okay uh <laughs> i remember because, the sequence on a boat yes that's pretty much it because we were on a genre no kick i watched rollerball Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, like the remake? <laughs> we saw that in a movie theater. Yes, we did. There was like five other people. What's there. that, Noah? What's a movie theater? <laughs> um, rewatch Lockout. Jonathan. Jonathan. The original is so much better. Yes, it is. What a piece of shit that remake is. <laughs> I do love the LL Cool of it all, though. Right. Shut up and take no, the money. My, get paid. No, my mother is not a crack whore. Why is that in that movie? Dude? I don't know. We were like... 12. The fact that it was like just in a country, like it was in Kazakhstan. It wasn't like the future. It wasn't a dystopian. Yeah, no. They just were in Kazakhstan. Street luge in that movie. Yes. Let's, let's move on. Yeah. Okay. An opening street luge scene. Anyway, um, I rewatched Lockout. I rewatched <laughs> the Flintstone. Listen, the casually only... dropped that. You don't have to justify it. Move no, right along. I'm the justifying it because apparently. Yeah. It set a resurgence. I know people like yeah, just there was a thing on Snapchat exists. that was like, "Oh my god, it's been in the top ten. I'm like, "Well, no fucking shit, it should be." Anyway, yeah, it had a little moment. Yeah, it, it yeah. I rewatched the Flintstones. Don't judge. Um, Not here to judge. Of course, I, I love the Flintstones. Me too. I think it still holds up. Honestly. Original Flintstones. I forgot how awesome Clown McLaughlin is. We don't speak of Viva Rock Vegas. <laughs> no, we don't. 
fuck you, Stephen Baldwin. <laughs> anyway. And the dude from Jack Frost, like the B guy from Jack yeah, Frost. Yeah, his buddy, no. Can't remember that guy. He um, was on TV forever. Yeah, he was. Um, uh, obviously, I rewatched the big hit. One of my, oh, I watched uh, Highlander 2, The Quickening. That's a rewatch. It's a great We Hate Movies. You I know, I listened to it, and I've listened to it. I know about that one. Um, and available, yeah. Then, well, actually, no, I have two more um, brand new ones. I watched Red Rise, Red Sun Rising, which is Donald the Dragon Wilson and pretty much every Asian action star we love. Okay. Um, I'll leave it at that. You should go find it, watch the trailer. I think you'll still got to watch it. the last, in search of the last action hero. Yeah. I haven't finished it yet. Um, and my most recent rewatch I watched last night, I watched Rocket Man, the Elton John biopic. It was Unlike, a rewatch, you said? No, no, new, like, oh, okay. new watch. Rocket How Man. was it? I have, I mean, I'm never, I'm not used to those having like fucking full on dance sequences in them and like music. It's almost like a musical. Yeah. Like if you imagine if like I mean, every that's t- what I, that's what I was excited about, about this. I still haven't seen it, but that's what excited me about this one versus like Bohemian Rhapsody for instance. Yeah. And the, the way that it's done, the way it kind of, and it, it's basically just like up until he, you know, comes out of rehab and he's like, mm-hmm. I'm good. And it's, I love it. It's just like, Hey, and then he went on and did all this amazing shit. Right. You know, mm-hmm. just remember that like there was one point where like cocaine and 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 you know uh, booze was a problem for this dude, but after that he's all right, like he's fine, you know. Yeah. And then he he's... goes and writes, "Someone saved my life tonight." Yeah, and then, there we go. Um, okay, is that it? On yeah, that's all my. Yeah, that's all, all right. mine. I got a, I got a nice little triptych here. Okay, but before we get to that, watch the Page Master. When was oh, the yeah. last time you watched The Page Master? About five years ago. Okay. I was shocked how well it held up, honestly. Yeah. It was a little, effects are a little wonky when things first start to go down, but then as soon as you're into the animation, I love that it's not like Disney-fied animation. You know what I remember still about... still genuinely creepy in parts. You know what I remember about that? What's that? I remember there was an article... There was a... I remember the TV being on in our house, and it's saying that... The people who made it were kind of upset that it didn't get nominated for anything for the Oscars because I think at some point recently, like a couple of big Disney movies the year before had gotten nominated for Oscars and they thought, I guess it was kind of like, oh, there won't be any Oscar nods for this thing. It was the year that we left. Mm -hmm. But I just remember in the old house on Perry Boulevard that like the TV was on and there was a news report from like. ABC, NBC that said, you know, the producers of, of Page Master are a little upset they got snubbed at the Oscars. <laughs> okay. I don't know why that's always stuck in my head. And I guess maybe to me that's made me want to say that it's like inferior, but I fucking love that movie. Starting in like the real world and then like the library and being yeah, the color I, and the animation, dude. I had to like check with a few friends of like, you guys seen Page Master, right? Like that was a thing for all kids our age, right? I fucking. And I was, I was encouraged because most people were like, fuck yeah, dude, Page Master. Caveat, small, it's not a big deal. You say Page Master. I fucking rewatch Beastmaster. Okay. That's Dolph, right? No. No. Mark something. Harmon? No. no. <laughs> Mike Harmon is the greatest actor who ever lived. No, I vaguely remember Beastmaster. Mark Simons? I don't know. I, I don't care. Sorry. Apologies in advance. Okay. Check this out. Disturbing behavior. Oh, yeah. Followed by Swim Fan. Bruh. Okay. People going in on the early 90s, or late 90s, early 2000s. And, and so Swim Fan, we're in the, like, you know, 
Fatal Attraction for Babies move with the Lifetime movie with a little bit of a budget. Yes. So where'd I take it from there? Well, gift you left me. Oh. Crime and Punishment in Suburbia. Oh, yeah, Excuse of me. Crime plus punishment, punishment in suburbia. suburbia. Um, Which, you know, I feel like your average person might watch it and say, like, this movie's pretentious and, like, how the hell did this get made, et cetera, et cetera. I still love it, man. I think it totally holds up. I think it got completely, like, nobody talks about it. It's completely forgotten, specifically because pushed from, I believe, its original intended release date, 1999, Mm -hmm. which would have put it around the same time as the Oscar winner, American Beauty, covers a lot of similar territory. Um, You could argue it's more stylish darker in some aspects yeah um and uh, you know doesn't start Kevin Spacey whether yeah whether you think it totally comes together or not I I love the rewatch soundtrack's incredible early Jeffrey Wright probably the first thing I ever saw Jeffrey Wright in but top three Michael Ironside performances number three being Highlander 2 The Quickening right for sure yeah Uh, Ellen Barkin's amazing oh yeah Monica Kina the transition from like the first part of the movie, I like and rewatching it too. I was like, ah, she's a little she's like, I don't know if she was totally up to the challenge. What happened with this her. one? And then when the transition happens, you know, not, I don't want to spoil anything if you haven't seen the movie. But her character goes through a pretty dramatic shift about yeah. a third of the way through, and when she transitions to that, I'm like, holy shit! Like she did not get enough credit for this. Mm-hmm. Vincent Carthizer as one of the all time creeps in any movie. <laughs> yes, like. If you haven't seen Crime and Punishment in Suburbia, I encourage you to go check it out. And then maybe maybe we do a retro review on that one at some point. Yeah. Because I, sure. I got some thoughts, but a lot more to go into. Just give it back to me so I can rewatch it. For sure. Uh, but yeah, disturbing behavior, fun, bad rewatch. There's some crazy editing and poor choices in that movie. Um, and Swim Fan, just entertaining. I've only seen like, it once. Not, and I remember it being like, holy shit, man. It escalates yes. pretty quickly. And the other thing about that movie, brisk. It's like an hour and 27 minutes. And like, he was my dude. Jesse Bradford. Yes. yes. Like, as soon as I threw hackers? it on, my girlfriend was like, bring it on. That bring Dude, on. Cliff from Bring It On, <laughs> yeah. man. How is that not? He is like the glue of that movie that no one remembers. People remember no, people, people fucking... Remember. Him with the Clash t-shirt and, like, the mixtape and just, like, playing their guitar to, like, kind of be cute with her. Clip, like, fucking, that was my dude in the early 2000s. I wanted to be him. Like, yeah. the late 90s, definitely Nick Carter. But, like, from the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> but, like, 2000s, fucking Jesse Bradford, man. And you forget, like, he's the, he's what, Joey from Hackers. Like, you forget, like. Never forget. Yeah. Never. Good. Okay. I, I think it's I think it's officially time. I think we we got to start to how are we going to do this? Here's the thing, they're they're both great, they're both a ton of fun. I feel like we're gonna have a lot of fun with them, right? So I really I don't know, man. I don't care. You know we we did go we did old, old what did school. we do last time? We did old school first last time because it was a downer, and we started in the two thousands with wasabi. That was the end. Yeah. Do you want to start new and go back? I mean, I could go all day on either one of these, man. I mean, we could just spend the rest of the podcast not knowing what to do. And Here, Here's what I think. Okay. You're the boss, so whatever you say. I think because 
the Long Good Friday is a first-timer for you that we should open with it, and we go with the old favorite as the closer. That works. Okay. Also, you know, the way I have my music cue set up, I'm thinking we roll out with I'm the Man, possibly. Yeah. That horrible Buck 09 cover <laughs> of a great, great Joe Jackson song. Okay. <laughs> we'll talk about the soundtrack. We will talk yeah. about it in depth, but right now... We're going back to 1980. And we're going to foggy London town. <laughs> it's the Long Good Friday. Take a listen to the trailer. London. Good Friday. Not just any Good Friday. But the Long Good Friday. Outside of church? You're not crucifying people outside a church not on Good Friday. Harold Shand, undisputed king of London's underworld. Now he's setting up the biggest business deal of his career. Hands across the ocean, right? To the future. Someone is out to stop him. You think of anybody who might have an old score to settle or something? Who's big enough to take you on? Someone, somewhere, knows. Right? I want the man who knows. Right. Who fancies what? Auto, casino, stabbing, a bar blowing up. What is this, a gang war? No, no question. Harold and I have no doubt that by tomorrow the problem will be settled. Exactly. Walk to the car, Billy, or I'll blow your spine off. It's not a shooter, is it, Harold? Oh, don't be silly, Billy. When I come hunting for you with me fingers, I've treated you lot well, even when you was out of order, right? Well, now there's been an eruption. One of my closest friends, he's lying out there in the freezer. And believe me, all of you, nobody goes home until I find out who done it. What should have been the greatest day of Harold's life suddenly becomes the longest. Suddenly, he's fighting for survival. You kidding? We got gang war in our ass, right? We already have. Colin's been carved up, and I've got a bomb in me casino, and you say nothing unusual. The Long Good Friday, a terrifying nightmare from which there is no escape. The Long Good Friday. The Long Good Friday. Oh boy, Harold. <laughs> from 1980. <laughs> what are you going to do, Harold? <laughs> directed by John McKenzie. <laughs> starring Dame Helen Mirren. Yes. And, and motherfucking Bob, Bob Hoskins. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. Um, Did you read I, that like they were going to fucking like dub his voice because they thought oh, no one could understand him? Yeah. I don't get why you would. You're I can understand. silence one of the greatest performances that cinema has ever known. Exactly, dude. Um, I love the detail. Apparently, Warren Beatty, Sir Alec Guinness, and I forget, somebody else, like, backed him up with the producer. Olivier. Like, excuse me. Sir Lawrence Olivier. Excuse me. My mistake. Yeah. No, all, Olivier Guinness and yeah, Warren Beatty no, were all they like, They all no. went in and vouched for him and were like, what? Why? Why would you do that? But the thought was... Oh, well, the more sophisticated British audiences, they're not going to understand what the fuck he's saying because they don't know what these people talk like. And I was like, really? They were going to dub him with like a class? And I know that was a thing even yeah. into the 80s. Is it Greystoke, the Tarzan movie? Yes. With that has the famous like overdubbing. Yeah. Yeah. 
um, that would have been a crime. It would Thankfully, been. that did not happen. Yes. Uh, this is your first time. This is my third time. I, I, I feel similar to this as when we talked about to live and die in L.A. Yes. This is a straight up, I'll say from the top, a 10 out of 10. Total classic. I wouldn't change a goddamn thing about it. Love it to death. Loved rewatching it. This was your first time. What did you think? I'm just, I, I can appreciate that my favorite Beatle made this movie happen. But totally by happenstance. Yeah, because he said yes. he would never have greenlit something this violent, yes. which I love. This movie um, was basically going to end up on TV. Yeah, pretty much dead in the, the water. The plans for that were completely scrapped. And then George Harrison's handmade films. Uh, did you watch the trailers on the front of this DVD? No, I didn't. You didn't watch the trailers? No. For Time Bandits? Oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Terry Gilliam yeah. movie. And Water? Starring Michael Caine. Water looked hilarious. Water I want to like find a blast. that. I want to find that movie. I and thought it was blaming on Rio for a minute. I thought it was the harder they come for the first <laughs> like like two minutes of the trailer, and I was like, "What is this?" And then I was like, "Michael Caine." <laughs> <laughs> do we have to do that with everybody? Is that Horatio Caine? It, yeah, you just got to put the you got to put the stank on. Okay, I got it. All right. But yeah, Michael Caine pops up, and I was like, and then it turns into like a caper, like war comedy. I have no idea what's going on. And then Water. I just like, of all the titles. Yeah. I was like, I've never, ever heard of this movie. And it's probably some like really important, like historical thing for a small island nation that was like their trial by fire. And it's been made into a, a funny comedy that we're just like, huh? What? Yeah. That's probably what it is. So and that's what those I love are about the two, yes, the two was, yeah, they were on this, uh, this handmade films. Yeah. Really. So those are handmade films as well. George Harrison's imprint. They end up picking it up and giving it a theatrical release, but after they per- he didn't see it until after the he acquisitions guy purchased it and then he comes in to screen it and he's like i never would have like signed off on something this violent which you hear and you're like oh you want to think like george harrison's like oh fuck yeah we have like a great movie here but he was like it's too violent it's yeah too violent. and i'm like all right but he's still good on him for like you know still putting it out there he I mean, had he to spent make the money he yeah, might as well had to make it back and then it becomes over time one of the immortal classics of British cinema. It's in they're like consistently in their top twenty five best British films of all yeah. time list and, and so Last on. Last time so I checked forth. it was like twenty one. And then at one point it was number eleven on like yes. British gangster films. It's a huge breakout for Bob Hoskins. Yes. We'll discuss why. Also a huge breakout for Dame Helen Mirren, who's in a role we should you got this from the trailer, but it Harold Shand, H, we'll call him H. Yeah. Everybody else does, is having like the worst day of his professional career and his profession he's a fucking gangster but he's got class he's got principles you kind of like the dude you're kind of in love with him within the first like 10-15 minutes of the movie once things get going because there's again this movie's completed in 79 we should point that out it mm-hmm. definitely has a late 70s vibe oh, to it in as much as the opening is similar to something like Sorcerer where it's just you're watching action happen you don't quite know how everything is going to line up or what the significance is going to be long term, but you're just like, you're glued to it. And it's pure visual storytelling. Great setup. And shortly after that, we, you know, we see some cases being exchanged, some money being moved around, some dudes getting murdered. And we don't quite know what the significance of all of this is. And then, boom, we cut to the man of the hour arriving at the airport. And we kick in with 
an amazing score. Oh my god, Francis dude. Monkman, I believe, is yes. the composer. That's what I wrote down in my and notes. This is some. You and I, we were grooving to it earlier, and I will use it as the intro. But just that music, dude. The you know the sense and the strings like start to come in, and you're like, all right, I'm feeling this. This is a nice group, and then that sax just comes in. Dude, my note, my notes are on cloud. Francis dude. Monkman. My man with the killer motherfucking score. Like, that's that's the notes I wrote, dude. dude. I put, and I listened to some of this in isolation after the fact, and, like, the main theme is incredible, which they go back to a lot. Yeah. But some of the other stuff, I put it right there with, like, Assault on Precinct 13 Eric Carpenter. It's that good. It's, oh, God. This is a a gem that I feel like a lot of people are missing out on. I mean, the movie, I feel like, has earned its place people do talk about it there's been plenty of conversation around it but the score in particular i'm like why why are we not talk about this as one of the best like it's right on the cusp of like synthesizers totally taking over but it still has like it's got electric piano in there it's got jazz influence but it's just you know it's very atmospheric and it just it feels like this movie it like feels the like look, the time uh, yes. and that's the thing i never had seen london depicted in, in this, this way I mean, yes, there's Bond films, but in this I, sort of way, this type, this era, this part of London. Yeah. Because I'm sure... Bond films are, are clean cut and they're fantastical. Et cetera, they're for et a certain audience in you, London. We we just recently had an episode about Capone. Did you ever see Legend? The one about the Cray brothers that he did, where he played twins. That's him. Okay. Right. Because they ran London for most of the time. Well, and that... like the writer barry heath of the novel i believe right and i think he adapted the screenplay as well i'll double check yes i think so but um he was a uh, cub reporter for the crime section of like his local london paper while while the craze were active like right. in the late 60s and stuff so a lot of a lot of the shape of like harold and like the organization comes from the cray brothers and apparently there was like london gangsters who were involved in the filming as extras as consultants as like a test audience essentially and apparently helen mirren's uncle she would ask about that gangster yes so there's all and it's so weird because i don't really know if you can see it here apparently and apparently i know two guys in this movie go on to be in lockstock and razors is is in lockstock as one of the villains but it's interesting because like when i took Chinese film. I had a girl that was in there and she was like, oh, my uncle was a triad. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, no, it's like a business. Like, you don't, you can be that. Like, the the government knows who you are. The police know who you are. But like, right. if you don't commit, it's the same thing with the Yakuza. Like, if you don't commit crimes, they're not going to bother you. But they've been so depicted in cinemas like, oh, you don't fuck with the triads. You don't fuck with the Yakuza. Right. And really, it's just like, leave them alone and let them make their money. They'll be fine. They, they handle gambling. They handle rackets, all that. Mm-hmm. So, it's Great interesting to see that part. That in uh, The Naked Director on Netflix okay. where they go into how the criminal economy works under the, you know, fairly conservative society and the kind of chill police force of Japan. You're like, well, okay, well, how does anything really go down? And you, you get a lot of detail on that. In that show. It's like, I need to show you, there's a video of um, real, Yaku- ex- real Yakuza members and some older members who aren't active that like are watching the game Yakuza and they're just like oh wow they fucking they dress pretty stylish right. they never dress like that what are you talking about like they're just it's interesting to to watch these old men yeah, talk so about it's it but a, there of course there's now a, a long history of British crime films etc but this fits into a very particular 
time and a transitional period for England. And honestly, I mean, it's early, like, 80s action movies are about to, like, completely take over. Right. And I feel like you don't really have... There's no... For me, I guess, there's no gangsters, gangster movies that... American gangster movies that immediately jump to mind from the 80s. Besides Untouchables, but that's late. And that, yeah. But you're coming off of... What do you consider Scarface, though? I don't... I mean, ostensibly, yeah, it's a gangster movie, but it's a it's a rise and fall. Like, there's yeah. so... I don't know what you want to lump that into. It's an American dream story. Yeah. Maybe. It's an immigrant story. That's true. But, yeah. I guess it's a gangster movie. I mean, in in so much as, like, it's criminal or enterprise, yeah. But, yeah, you're right. It is, is more of a... It, it is more of a... And you could even argue it's just a a, seek, a, a reboot or a remake of a, of a already existing property if you want it to. Yeah. Okay. We totally got off track by the amazing score. But Harold arrives back in town. There's a big deal coming up with the Americans. Right. He's got to put on, you know... Everything's got to be tip-top shape for the next few days. And it's the long good Friday. It's the Friday before Easter. Okay. We get introduced to Helen Mirren, who I don't know how you felt. Or maybe I overhyped her. Maybe I didn't. I think when you look at like what this role is normally relegated to in these types of movies, the mm-hmm. female like just kind of counterpart and how underwritten they are sometimes. She she's so memorable. Oh yeah. She like owns every bit of it. You see how much like control she has over him. Yeah. And like how there is actual like genuine emotional vulnerability between the two of them. Just fantastic stuff. And apparently there's like several stories where she very much demanded that where she was like, if I'm going to come in and play this role, I want you to like, give me something, give me something to do. I don't want to be set dressing basically, which, and it goes very well because one thing I will say, Bob Hoskins, he, he slaps a bunch of women around and it's just, it's so weird to see that because it's just, it's a thing there. I feel like there's a lot of men a slapping bu- women. But does he, he slaps. We only see him slap Helen Mirren one time and immediately apologize for it, correct? She hits him right back. Yes. Yeah. But you also. But then he smacks around like some other crazy woman that's going crazy or something like that. Oh, the, yes. The widow. About the that. widow. Yes, like the widow at the grave at the fucking, of her. Yeah, yes. the cemetery. That's a little, that's a that's tough beat. That's badass, a tough beat. That's how, but that is, let's not call it badass. That's how, like. It's a different time. That's a very that's different time. How, when, yeah. That's how ruthless but, this dude is. But to be fair, this is also, I mean, if you're coming off the tail end of the 70s and character studies where it's like, not everybody has to be likable here. We can show a fully three-dimensional human being and like, he's kind of a racist. Yes. Um, he's, again, yeah, he does slap some women around, but, and you, you know. You, I love how you see the unfolding of him because he's so yes. buttoned up and like dressed up in the beginning. And you're like, right. You get hints of like what this guy had to do to get to this point, right? Where he's ba- he's trying to kind of reassert England as a superpower again in Essentially, the, in the yeah. world because you know Japan's taken over, the U.S. is like you know doing mm-hmm. its thing. I love and he kind of feels like they're falling behind. And I love that the whole bit he says in there, like, yeah, we're gonna get this dock deal done. And like we're gonna rebuild, and this we're gonna have the Olympics here in ten years. Yeah. Like they'll be here at the end of the year, in nineteen eighty eight, the Olympics will be here. And I'm like, oh, they were they were in Calgary. Yeah. It's cool runnings, man. Come on. <laughs> but at the same time, but I'm like, I get the vision, and I get the idea that like London, and like what it means to be British doesn't necessarily have an identity coming out of the seventies. 
you know? I feel like you have a ton of influence in what it means to be a Londoner and what it means to do all that with, like, the 60s and music and rock and roll and art and all that. But you get into the 70s, and there's not really... I mean, is that... When does the Iron Lady come in? When does Margaret Thatcher come in? Is that the 70s or is that before that? I think that's... I don't know my British history. But it's like... But you get that... Yeah. You get that, like, ironclad, like, working, you know, we're going to get people back to work and all that kind of thing, you know, after having come out of the rebuilding in the 50s and 60s from the damage from the war and, like, putting him back on track. You get the impression very early on that he's a guy who literally had to work his way up from the streets, essentially, right. who now has to take on this persona of the buttoned-up businessman right? and present a, a more intelligent front, um, a, a less more violent front, front ex- more, all a, of that. A, a very tame version of like what he used to be. <coughs> yes, and so the crux of the movie is basically going to be his undoing and the... Uh, the gangster coming out, if you will. Right. Like him kind of remembering who he is. Yeah. And things kick off in pretty explosive fashion when they blow up his a car and blow up his driver uh, outside of the church that his mother is I thought the driver was alive because the driver was going back to look at the car. Oh, he did get away. I thought he died in the... No, he did go explosion. crank it up and it blew up. Yeah. yeah. He was and getting to fire it up for the mom. The mom, thankfully, was not in there. But, she got but she's in the hospital. hysterical went to the hospital. Yes. Right. So he flips out. And then also, uh, one of his closest friends is uh, murdered. We could talk about this for a minute. Yeah. Colin. My Colin. Like, great. Dude. Great sequence, first of all. We have him swimming in an, an auditorium. So rarely get to use that. Yeah. Yeah. And I look, we're cross-cutting still between him and Hoskins or whatever. And we we see these dudes who maybe look a little suspicious. And we're already kind of on edge because we're like, okay. We've already watched these guys get got in the opening. Yes. And he was. we watched Colin in the opening. We know Colin had something to, was something to do with that. Yes. And so, yeah, we keep going back and forth. But eventually, there's this one particularly handsome dark-haired oh, gentleman he's a he's a he's a beautiful who's, who's irish making eyes lad. at colin and we already know because i think we we see him don't we see him with somebody earlier no i thought not. we in the opening see him with like his his boyfriend or something i don't think whoever. so colin is gay we know this yes. by the time we get to so we know what's about to go down and you're like okay i would if i'm in a public bathhouse and pierce brosnan shows up and he's he's making those eyes at me yeah you know what I'm probably going to see where it goes. Yeah, me we'll too. We'll see what happens. I would, I, I'll, yeah. So. Uh, he, and it goes right to his gut because Pierce Brosnan stabs the shit him. out of him. And, and Pierce Brosnan, smart first time actor move. He improved a line. He does not have a line in the nope, script. Nope. But isn't. he improved one line. He says hi before he stabs him. And it's, it's so like... It's great psycho shit because we he doesn't speak for the rest of the movie. He's got this intense, dark, mysterious stare, and he's just like, "Hi, boom!" Into the gut, he has the dude. You know, he has his right hand man beside him, and so we're like, "Okay, Colin's been taken out, car's been blown up, and the Americans are coming into town today, and they're getting all this information as he's like he's giving the speech out on the boat. He's got all these investors." He's talking about like what we're going to turn England into, and these people are kind of, for the most part, seem like yeah, okay, we'll believe it when we see it. There's very, very muted response. There's, There's a, not like a he's lot got of the hoorah. he's got the chief of police there. He's yes. got local politicians. He's got union guys, labor and guys. And we basically see that like he's got 
he's got the whole game wired. He's basically, you know, he's basically the prime minister of the underworld, if you will. Pretty much. I mean, it's his chance to get a seat at that table. You get the, and you do, I feel like just with the way that you see him moving throughout, especially that scene and the other people there, you get a really good vibe of like, they definitely look down on him. They will look the other way that he is a gangster. Yeah. But like, they could give a shit less about this dude talking about all this great stuff. They'll they'll let him go a, a little bit, but at the first sign of trouble, they're out. They're done. They're yeah. not going to be part of this because this isn't what they do. It's just kind of like maybe you owe somebody a favor. Maybe you did this or that. Obviously, with the police commissioner or whatever, like they're paying him off. Money's too good to say no. I get it, but... There's definitely a sense the class difference in this is really, really apparent. If you don't know already, you get it that like this guy wants to be at that table. He wants he fancies himself a politician, a a city leader, a city planner. And he he's just a gangster. Yeah. He's just a thug who got lucky. That's it. Yeah. Well, who wanted it the the most and, you know, was cutthroat about it. Pretty much. uh, But yeah. So from that point forward, we're. He's basically got everybody on the case trying to find a lead to figure out what the hell is going on here, essentially. Um, We've got his, kind of in lieu of Colin's death, his new right hand is Jeff. One of the all-time buggers. One of the all-time cocks in any movie. Like, what a a tosser. A real tosser. Tosser. (laughs) What a piece of shit Jeff is. Uh, We'll get get into Jeff more. But we kind of are tipped off early that... Maybe we shouldn't like Jeff. Maybe we should be suspicious of Jeff because he's eating after he has picked up a case from Colin Mm -hmm. in the opening. And this is still, we don't know who anybody is, but a widow or somebody who's clearly coming from a funeral, Mm -hmm. uh, a veiled woman comes up and spits in his face and you're like, all right, dude. (laughs) Whoa. All right. You were probably a piece of shit. I'm going to mark that down for later. Something's going to say. Something tells me something's up there. So, okay. What? Eventually, we get to the second bombing. Right. They're about to go. They're about to take the Americans out to dinner at Dude. one of the casinos that they own. I and thought it was their restaurant. It's a casino with a restaurant. They were going to dine upstairs. No, 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 no. Because they catch a bomb in they his catch casino a bomb at the casino. Excuse me. It's they know it's there, but it didn't go off. And they, they basically give the they bring it to the policeman, like, figure out who the fuck did this. They're going to the restaurant, it gets blown up while they're outside of it, and thankfully nobody is killed. Right. But he, and he's like, All right, like take I them gotta, somewhere, yeah, I, gotta I gotta deal go with it. Just go shit. take them to dinner. I gotta see this through. So and if you are yeah. smart at all, if you know anything about your history, you will know by the second explosion that whatever this is has to do with the Irish Republic Army. The IRA yeah, no, for the short. Second, like you, the dis- second you see car bomb. Yeah, you're like, all right, the IRA. Should, it's the fucking IRA. Should be you what should you're know. Thinking. Yes, yes. But of course, he thinks it's somebody internally, possibly, right, who's trying to trying to take him out or fuck up his day, fuck up his plans, right. And or you know, an outside force that's just in competition with him. But it the IRA connection it takes them a little while to get there. Right. Even the fact that this is, you know, it's only, it's a little over 24 hours because we go into the next day a bit. Right. In the next evening. It's basically two full days. But, um, okay, so Victoria, Helen Mirren, takes the Americans out to dinner with Jeff, and, or no, 
Jeff goes with uh, with H. Who is the other guy? The one who talks too much. Uh, the one who gets a little too drunk. Harris. I think it's Phil. Harris. Oh, Harris. Yes. And Phil, probably. I think it is Harris and Phil. Yeah. But anyways, he starts to shoot himself off in the mouth a little bit. And the Americans reveal basically like, hey, we're not idiots. Like, we looked into him. We know what's going on. Why is he trying to hide all this from us? And Helen Mirren basically talks them down off a ledge because they're about to just leave. And they agree, okay, we'll give him till tomorrow to get all this shit settled. Right. Before we, you know, make a decision. So, again, she steps up and you see, like, she's just as much a player in all of this Mm -hmm. as he is. And she's, like, he's relying on her to kind of present as, again, a higher class than they actually are. Or have been for most of their lives. Financially, they're there. But... You know, just status-wise, status no. it's something you can't fake at a certain mm-hmm. point, and they're always going to have that stigma around. Right. And so. again, if we haven't made it clear, his whole plan is to basically turn the... And it's funny because they said, like, apparently he put it in the in the novel and in the screenplay. From talking to local councilmen, they, the plan to redo this dock area was a thing that was going to happen in the future. And he just had... The writer had heard about it. And put it in there, but it, it is kind of neat foreshadowing. Like he wants to be on the front end of that deal of like, we're gonna buy up all the real estate, we're gonna have all the land, and then we're either gonna sell when they want to redo this, or we're gonna invest and put our own teamsters and union guys on building these yeah. docks and making it like great to be a Londoner again. So, so. H and um, Jeff, yeah, Jeff, um, round up all the guys, they arm them. Tell him, okay, go out. We're bringing everybody in. Load them up. We're going to question everybody. We're going to finish this shit tonight, basically. Mm-hmm. We're going to find out who's doing this to me. So we get a lot of cutaways to little clandestine action sequences, but it all builds to them coming back to the meat packing plant. Yes. One of the most iconic shots in like the entire movie. They used it on some of the posters. But they start filing these guys out of the trucks, hung upside down. Basically, like hunks of meat, mm-hmm. um, and this is also another tip off where you're like, "What? <sighs> Something's up here with Jeff," because he immediately jumps in to silence. Like, you know, this guy's like, "No, like nobody's trying to fuck with you." Basically, like, why would you? You know, you're mm-hmm. in control. You're the top dog. Why mm-hmm. do you think anybody's messing with you? And Jeff immediately jumps in and starts beating this dude up, and is like, "We know it's you, bro." Yeah. Um, Trying to take the the focus off of it possibly being an inside job, essentially. Like within so the inner circle. This is kind of where it clenches. And then also we have Jeff drives Victoria back to their apartment. Right. And in <laughs> one of the all-time creep moves in the elevator tells her, to lick every inch of you. Just out of nowhere, essentially. Even though we've been, we can tell, like, he's gunning for her. Yeah. Um. Nothing happens, but we're we're like, all right, clearly, it's this dude. Something to do with this guy, hundred percent. Yeah. And it's not entirely, but basically, eventually, we figure out Jeff's involvement. Right? Is there anything else we need to get to in between there? We have the moment where Harry comes home. He and Victoria talk. He slaps her. Immediately apologizes. She says she's scared. They kind of resolve to like, all right. We need to get on the same page with this. The next morning, he gets a call from 
whoever about the guy that's died and his widow, the one who spit in Jeff's face. He goes to the simulator to meet her, and she explains, like, you got him killed. He's like, no, 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 I had nothing to do with this. And she was like, well, you were Colin, whoever. He was doing something, and he got murdered. And this is when I we won't... find out background, basically, right. that Colin, Jeff, and Phil. Phil all had dealings with the IRA. Yes. That they didn't want. They were in debt. They didn't want Harry to know about it. Right. And things got out of hand from there, basically. Right. Because it's... Jeff explains to him, like, you know, Colin had to do this because he's a union labor guy. Like, he had to do certain things. He had to make payments of these dudes. Mm-hmm. And something went wrong, and, like, that's why he got iced. It Maybe I'm missing something. It made it seem as though, like... Whatever was done at the beginning, because it was H's own men doing it, that's what brings the IRA in. They like either they killed some of the IRA guys, or they he took because you see Colin take some money that's not mm-hmm. out of that briefcase. So either the payment wasn't all there, or somehow other IRA guys get killed. But I think the guys that get that are at the house that people run up in on with guns, I think those aren't IRA guys. Mm-mm. I don't think in the opening. I don't. Believe the guys so. running in are the IRA. I believe so. Right. Yeah. So, I guess you could boil it down to like he took money from a payment he was supposed to give him anyway, and they realized it was short or something. I don't know. Yes. But his dealings brought, I guess, because he's related or associated with Harold, the IRA is like, well, we're just going to get, we're just going to go after everybody. They don't. They're like, because he said like they're fanatics. They don't care. Right. You can take one down, and the whole you know two more are going to come up. Like. So- this builds to the morning confrontation on the boat right. with Jeff, where Hoskins totally, like, oh, the dude. the wild dog comes out, if yes. you will. He gets uh, Jet Li's unleashed. <laughs> he gets unleashed, <laughs> yes. Uh, he stabs him in the jugular a couple with of times. a broken wine glass, and it is, it's savage. It, it is, is fucking intense. Brutal. And it's first- person pov it's very and yeah. you're like holy shit and then afterwards is one of the all-time i just did some fucked up shit and i gotta take a shower montages i've ever seen and we gotta burn my fucking clothes yes probably my personal it's weird to say because it's it's a it's a harry bob hoskins taking a shower but it's probably my favorite shot in the entire movie is because it cuts back in that so shower yeah, yeah. yeah and we're the intercutting with helen mirren burning the clothes amazing score Okay, so he's taken care of. We're all good, right? Essentially. Everything's all set. I'm going to go meet with the Americans. I settled everything before the sun went down. We're all good. We're totally fine, right? Americans are bailing. You're getting I, 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 I jumped. Excuse me. Yes. Excuse me. I thought this he happened re- afterwards, but it's, it's feel, the exact re- Realizing what's going on. That they got to settle this shit with the IRA. Right. He goes to take money to make the payment to make it all good. Which is not, I guess in the grand scheme of things, was not that much money. That was part no, of the thing, too. That was they were like, this was, was like, over like $25,000, which was like pennies to them, I feel like. Yeah. Or maybe less. Yeah. But of course, him being a man of principle and like, and that's the thing I want to get in with Colin. He knew Colin was gay for the longest time. Colin was his boy. Yeah. When he got went out and got drunk or he got lost or something when he was in the army, Colin came and found him. Like, mm-hmm. Colin saved his life when he didn't have to. I don't know how much of it was, like, a 
physical bro on bro yeah, romance, no, you, or if well, it was you get because the, cause the way that he talks about, about him, yes, it's almost as like yo, Colin was the only dude I ever fucked or ever let fuck there, me. There for sure, and is I that cannot let this go. Like yeah. I love Colin and my Colin because he keeps saying my Colin. There's nobody else in the movie named Colin. Like, no, there's no other reference to <laughs> right. any other character named Colin. Right. But he says my Colin a ton. And I'm like, yo, he fucking loved this dude. Like, it's definitely there. And in as much as like, and I honestly, in the trivia, and I didn't watch all of the interviews on the DVD and everything, but I never really saw that directly addressed. But when you think about the fact that he and Victoria don't have the most outwardly like romantic physical relationship. Right. Um, you could maybe you could maybe read that into it for sure, but yes, I just from the reaction when he goes to the natatorium or whatever, and they they're covering up and they're explaining like how we're gonna get rid of the body and they had to close up for a bit, etc. He immediately gets emotional and mm-hmm. is like outright crying in front of his men, and you would think that that would be like a oh that's not macho enough, like you would never do this kind of thing. But you see the genuine emotion coming from him, so you are led to believe, like, is there something more here? But it yeah. never really goes, you know, they I think that element you. is there, but it's never, you know, yeah, completely w- settled. I on. mean, I would imagine keeping with the times in the 70s and 80s, that was probably something that no one talked about, much less the head of a criminal underworld Yeah, would, would never mention that. For sure. I mean, I think anybody, anybody who, in any walk of society in that, that culture any culture but specifically london i don't i don't think you mention i don't think you talk about it yeah you know so he decides well okay i'm gonna go pay them but i ain't, i'm not taking this shit lying down like i'm i'm fucking so harold chant the, the yeah I'm the gonna... deal is going down at a demolition derby type like outdoor dirt race right which is pretty dope for the time yeah and they get told when they come into the little i love the observation booth like yeah. the little it's just yeah. it's just it's like a, slightly <laughs> elevated yeah. you just walk up a little bit of stage whatever i guess that's what you get what you pay for yeah okay so they go in and he's like uh yeah he'll be here in a minute he's just finishing up the last race guy comes in seems like we're gonna have a, a clean deal go down and you are a little bit like He's really just gonna let this let this ride with the the RA, okay? Cool, I guess. You know, keep the peace. He's been trying to do that this whole time. He didn't want to get violent when he had, uh-huh. but eventually he had to with with Jeff. Jeff, what a what a dick, dude. Yeah, what a little piece of shit. Um, very maybe Cisco esque in some ways. A little we'll bit to yeah. it. <laughs> okay. Uh, so yeah, you think the deal's gonna go down without hitch. a hitch? We're fine. And then he just very casually. Opens the door. And, and Razors is there with a fucking shotgun. And Boom. they just blow Boom. all of these guys away. They go out the window. There's cars crashing over each other. It's just... And we're done. That's it. That's it. It's pretty clean. <laughs> they just get out of there. That's a straight up we King did. of New York shotgunning Horatio Kane at a funeral. Yeah. We did. Done. Dude, that shit is brutal. <laughs> yeah. We did gloss over, on one of their earlier leads, they have to go to the bad side of town, if you will. A lot of underprivileged kids. Um, and he even makes a comment that's where a little bit of the racism comes out. And used he's to be like, a, it used to be a beautiful neighborhood. And you're like, are you saying that because there's more black people here now? Or just because it's run down in general? Like, I don't know, like... <laughs> what are you doing? I don't there? know what you mean there, H. But they go in, that pretty... One of those things that just makes you go, oh, shit where we get to see razor razors in action um 
and he slices up a new dude on like just just slices him across the butt cheeks just a little yeah. bit ow yeah. fucking ow yeah. dude but when they come down you mentioned it earlier when they come down there's kids outside right and they're like what's your call for you mister give me 10 quid or whatever and they're like you should have asked for it before and he's like I'll go slash the ties if I wanted to and they're like they're impressed by that they're like oh you know these little fuckers and the kid delivering that dialogue is Dexter Fletcher who would go on to be in Lock, Stock and Two Smoking right. Barrels and also you know on a lesser note he directed Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocket Man, if I'm not mistaken. He did direct yeah. Rocket Man. He's, yeah. na- he's now transitioned to direct. There's it. apparently a scene where he's going in to like some municipal office with I don't know if it's the same kid, but it's a group of kids, but it got cut. And it's, and it's him supposedly like the best scene in the movie. Yeah. yeah. And no one knows what happened to it. Yeah. But the way it's written, apparently, it, it was especially the, it was the writer's favorite scene. We know that. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. He does they don't they go do that. So they take Yes. So back to pretty much the end of the movie. They're taking out the IRAs. It's all settled, essentially. Now he goes to the hotel where the Americans are staying. Hey, got everything cleaned up. It's all good. And then it's where it's where the class divide ultimately comes out. Right. Where it's just like, we've seen the way you do business. This is a fucking shit show here. Like, obviously you don't have things under control. And honestly, we just don't kind of like the cut of your jib. And then Bob Hoskins, I won't even try to do it justice here, but delivers like one of the greats. As an American, I'm sitting there and I'm going like, dude, fuck America, England. Like, fuck, yeah. He gives one of the most rousing, like, England first speeches you'll ever hear in your entire life. Like, makes you like, dude, maybe we should. Like, this this whole country, go back. This whole country's <laughs> like, been a 257-year mistake, man. Yeah. This, this no, little democracy. It, it is that caliber and yeah. everything basically comes out and it's just like... The American Mafia, I've shit them. Yeah. It's like, dude, <laughs> yeah. what the fuck? And I love, so, I, I, yeah. that, that scene is so fucking perfect because it's like, physically, they got him. They wanted to take him right in the air. Yeah. They got a good foot and a half on him. But he is just like, the fuck, he's like a scrappy British bulldog. Oh, dude, and he's just going to fucking not, tear you to pieces. Don't yeah. fuck with this dude. And like, all right, fuck it. You know what? I'll figure it out. I'll get it my own way. I'm good. Goes Walks outside. out with this resolve. The movie could end there. It could end there and be satisfying of like, all right, he tried to put on this one face. It didn't work. He's going to go another way. He's going to be his own man. <sighs> it is probably one of my favorite fucking endings of anything I've watched it's in up the past there, dude. 10 years. It's, dude. A, it's in like it is so my, the top 10 fucking, best endings of all time. <laughs> fucking good. I, I appreciate that you had this just because I can add it to my list now of like, best movie endings and i can tell people all about how fucking amazing it is because when he gets in the car oh why where's victoria and you pam and she so is so quick it is so quick you can't tell but razor's razor's dead. Is fucking dead he's already. dead yes Slumped she over is in, in the, the front seat she is in the back seat being manhandled by someone and we realize that who, who who's in the front seat with him Oh, it's that it's that beautiful Irish rose from from beginning, yeah. Mr. Pierce Brosnan. It's Pierce Brosnan, who what I don't f- even know if we mentioned earlier. Yes, <laughs> no, we did, did say yeah. Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. And the beautiful thing is, if you know your IMDb trivia, they never worked together. They not they weren't in the same yes, car. Yes, because of the setup, they had yeah. to shoot them separately. So they but never actually the fact that he to. gets in the car, he's like he's done it. He's figured it out. He's 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 settled all the scores. It's like spoiler for a movie people probably haven't seen. It's like layer cake. 
the yeah. very end of Layer Cake. It's hundred <laughs> percent no, just like Layer la- Cake. Layer Cake could not do its ending without the long. Exactly, Friday. it's yes, so you know, indebted. Yeah, to exactly, hundred percent. So yeah, it's one of those, and you realize, okay, well, the yeah, jig is up. The jig is up. <laughs> it's it's it. The Irish jig is, is up. up. <laughs> uh, because yeah. they warn you several times. They say, look, just don't fuck with them. Like, yes, this happened. Your boy got killed. But, like, don't. They are fucking fanatical, dude. They blow up cars. They yeah. tried to kill your mom. Like, this just is not somebody pay you, them. You can't, but you can't buy them off. Like, you, you can buy them off. For this instance. But, yes. But, like, you cannot go up but against it, it, them. Yes. Like... Because they said be the so, king of everybody. What did he? They made some comment about how like they're moving here all the time. The entire English military could not. They mm-hmm. couldn't fight them with planks and uh, planks, planes and tanks and all that. What are you gonna do? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, dude. What are you gonna do? And you don't think about it, but you're also like, you gotta get, you gotta get your revenge. Like this, this thing fucked you. Yeah. Like it wasn't anything you did. It was your people. But they don't. They somebody could have come and talked to you about it. And be like, hey, we got a problem with this. Like. But they don't even think to, to him. They're they're just like every other lower class of society he's looked at because of their how they handle things. Yeah. So when he decides to take him out, you, you're all right. Then he gives the rousing England first speech, and he opts in that car, and you're like, "Fuck, this dude's dead." <laughs> the it's IRA over. wins the wins the day. <laughs> um, and yeah, we don't get him iced or anything. We just get a nice long look at the incredible Bob Hoskins, where you're basically just processing like, "Do this guy?" fucking killed it for like two hours straight he was just in it and you're watching him like process like fuck i'm fucked and it doesn't you know we get a few cutaways to to brosnan but for the most part you are locked in on bob hoskins and it's one of the it's like the end of michael clayton or something where it's just like you're just gonna sit with this guy and you're gonna watch somebody process stuff on their face fucking incredible the score just you know gets incredibly loud and then boom we're out that's it and that's the first scene shot in the movie. Yes, I love they that. They told him. They told him they well, all that happened. First, like mag and everything, and yep. they were like, and they we're, we're like, just gonna roll. Five we minutes. Go. Where here's what happened to you. Go. Yeah. And to know that, like, that's the first thing shot. You were just told this. The range on his face, because there's a little bit where he's like kind of smiling, kind of like, eh, he fucking got me yeah. this time. But I'll get you. It's like, no, dude, you're not gonna get them back. You and are fucking is, dead. Yeah. And there was supposedly a sequel. Right penned at one point where it was like hey he actually gets magically rescued out of the back of well, that no, the car, car the car and the then cops... he goes to jamaica and then he has to come back and take on the yardies <laughs> yeah and i was like that would have probably been a little more problematic the yardies are predominantly uh black and we we know how harold feels about black people right. so uh okay it's a 10 out of 10 yes hands and, down yeah i'm glad you finally watched hands it. down glad dude. i could share it with you I have a little game associated that I want to play. Okay. This is what I was getting together earlier. Okay. okay. Remember DVDs, man? Remember Star Remember, spe- remember yeah. special features? Yeah, remember I remember. I remember. One of my favorite DVD extras in recent memory. The Cockney Slang Glossary on the <laughs> Long Good Friday DVD. Did you look at this? I did not. But I'm, was it? I'm so glad. I did. I thought I read that apparently for the U.S. theatrical release, it was released with a dictionary with a di- in front of in front it. of it like that, which people claim is the reason why inspired Tarantino, Tarantino to put to Pulp it. Fiction yes. in front of it. Yeah. So I don't know if all of these were included in that or not, but this is what's on there. So I figured we'd quiz you. Okay. We'd have a little fun with this. So 
If you were talking about the difficulties that both sides of the law make for each other, what would you, what would you maybe call that? These are in alphabetical order. No idea. There would be aggravation. Aggravation? Okay. Yeah. Okay. If, um, if I were to say that I'm taking something at the markup, what, what would I be referring to? At the markup? Taking an unfairly large proportion of the loot from a crime. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, someone who who's a bab or a babbling brook. What what would they be? A cunt. A babbler. Babbler. Okay. Okay. Um, if someone's bent. They're drunk, crazy, mad. They're doing something. If something's bent, what is it? It's fucked. It's crooked. Crooked. It's illegal. Oh, okay. Good. Um, some Cockney rhyming slang for you. What do you think Uncle Tom's are? Oh my god! Um, uncle Tom's your your nice old uncle who holds on to all your guns for you, and always has them ready for you when you got to go kill uncle people. Uncle Tom might have some bombs, perhaps. Oh, uncle okay. Tom is a bomb. Okay, all right. Okay. A boss, a John, a cop, filth, dick, copper, greasy, greasy mop, grasshopper, bottle and stopper. All nice little phrases to refer to a cop, the police. Yes, that's the one. Meat. I think we got one so meat. far. Yes, yeah. one. Okay. If you were to say that someone is brown bread, mm, they come for money. They're dead. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> brown bread. Okay. They're dead. All right. I'm and I'm flip flopping these on you. Keep okay. It fresh or whatever, but a fraudulent company. Might be referred to as a what job? This is a B. We're still in the B's here. Botch job? A bucket job. Bucket a job. bucket job is a fraudulent company. All right. Okay. This one's tough. A, a budge. What's a budge? Mm, the, the amount of money you had to do a hit with? A talkative person okay. or, in police usage, an informer. Huh. A common cage bird which can be taught to speak. A budge. Okay. Weird. A bung. B-U-N-G. Is a bribe. It's a tough one as well. Um, the practice by corrupt policemen of taking bribes from criminals to turn a blind eye, drop charges, lose evidence, etc. Copping. Okay. This is another rhyme one for you. If I were to pull out my drum and fife, what would I be grabbing? Your cock and balls. Drum and fife. It's cockney rhyming slang, mate. Fucking <laughs> get it together. Know. I don't know. Drum and fife. I would pull out my knife. I have to rhyme these things to something that make. Okay. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I get it. I th- I'm trying to give you clues. Well, you, first you started if with I like, was referring oh, what's to this my gat or my rod. My flay flat or my shooter. What would I be talking about? Do I have to rhyme it or can I just say Tell your dick? Tell me what it is. Your dick. My a gun. What? A gat, a rod, oh. a flay flat or a shooter. All those could be your dick too. Think about oh, it. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Uh, to get one's collar felt. To get clapped up get arrested what, what do you I'm telling you 
to get one's collar felt is to get arrested. Okay, all right. Like getting clapped up. Yeah. I believe that's how they say it in the States. I don't know. Oh, We're in a legitimate, the a legitimate business. We are. I thought we found ourselves in Foggy London. <laughs> oh, my God. A legitimate business that serves as a front for criminal activities. Starts with a G. A jig? A granny. A granny. Dear old granny. <laughs> An informer, a rat, a stool pigeon. Grass. <laughs> okay. What's a happy bag? A bag full of money? I don't... The bag in which a shotgun is carried on an armed robbery. The weapon makes victims happy to pass over their money. Oh my god. Okay. How long was this dictionary that came up on oh, screen? Oh, we've only got like a few more pages. All right. <laughs> a few more pages. If you were going to have it off, you were going to commit a crime. Right. Okay. Indoor money refers to the reserve cash used for day-to-day expenses. Indoor money. Okay, this one's a long one. A fraudulent scheme in which criminals open a business and to establish good credit, make and pay for small orders of merchandise to a third party. Afterward, the criminal orders a massive quantity of merchandise from the third party, then quickly sells it all off, closes down their business, and disappears without paying their debts. It's a long firm. Long firm. Okay. If I was in, if I was to refer to my manor, what would I be referring to? Your house. Think beyond that. Your estate. Your. Your will, everything that you own, your territory, your territory. Your, okay, said so yeah, it's three. A knock or a Noah's Ark. Someone who an, an informer, informer. Yeah, <laughs> you got it. Yeah, a nicker, a wad, copper, brass, reedies, money. Okay, to nix someone. You got that one. Gavin just sliced his throat. Yeah. That would mean to kill. That would be correct. Or excuse me, awaiting a promised event, a payment, a bribe, a tip-off, a gift, etc. On a promise. Okay. Okay. A percher. A gullible victim for a swindle or a con game. There's a percher over there. Okay. To commit a crime. To perform. Perform. Ponce. An idiot. Way more derogatory. A dumb, stupid, just can't hack it panty waist who wears his mama's bra. A homosexual. Oh, excuse me. A ponce. You've heard that. I have, but I don't know what it means. Yeah. Is that just in slang or is that really what it means all over England? I've heard ponce always is, yeah, referring to, uh, like a puffed. It's the same thing. All right. A ponce or a puffed. A batty boy. <laughs> See if you just said that, I'd have got it. We're not doing Ali G rhyming slang. We're doing, we're doing Harry Sham. Listen, all right. I'm from the east side of Staines. Okay, <laughs> West Staines massive. Nah, East Staines massive. <laughs> okay, to inform against. To narc. To put in acid. Oh I like God. that one a lot. Okay, put the bubble in. Speak or squeal. To inform. Okay. Okay. Ring the changes to defraud, especially by passing counterfeit money. Snuff it to die. Stinker, dog, rat, 
fizz gig shopper talker word more stuff to describe an informer they got a lot of stuff for people who inform scorsese just calls them rats you know what i'm saying you know what i'm saying to take tea with someone to outsmart a clever person or defeat someone in authority i like that Hmm. the vine the grapevine an underground network of information no excuse me and with that We've completed Cockney. I think you got like maybe three in the midst of yeah, there. Five. Okay, you were keeping count because I, I surely wasn't. Okay, that was the long Good Friday. This is the end of my terrible British accent. I give it a ten out of ten. To be fair. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I was gonna. I was trying to do a Geordie accent. Um, whatever. Do you know what a Geordie is? What? It's like a northern. They're like right on the border with Scotland, kind of thing. Oh. Um. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a fucking ten out of ten. <laughs> I like all of it. It's my favorite. It's the best one I've ever seen. That you've given me to, to watch. Better than to live and die in L.A. Well, now you can't be talking about to live and die in L.A. without talking about William Peterson. <laughs> He's the best part of that fucking movie. The thing I like to do is I like to blend in. I like to start one place and, and I like to end to the other. And that's what movies do for people. It's like, oh, I'm going to start here in Australia. I'm going to start in Australia. I'm going to wind up all the way. No, nobody's going to want to listen no, to the big hit. If we nope. keep going, we got to stop. Yeah. That was enough. Hopefully, everybody skipped over that little copy. That terrible selection. Yeah. I'm keep leaving it all in. It's all gold. Do it. As as <laughs> it's all gold. All right. Okay. We do have another movie. Uh, 1998's The Big Hit. Let's take a listen to the trailer. Alright, gentlemen, synchronize. You're ready in three, two, one. What's that? Uh, go, go! I'm a contract killer. That's the only thing that I'm good at. This is a bonus hit. Without a doubt. Ten thousand to what hits the big man. Yeah. I'm really sorry about the mess. Thank you, sir. This is gonna be the right time to tell them that we're engaged. You seem like a nice enough German Irish fella. You're gonna put your father in an early grave. I got a little present for you. Oh, who is it? Sammy tonight. I can dice them up a little bit. Did you clean them? Oh, a little man. bit. Ew. Hmm. kind of cute. Who is that? You sure you don't want to go on this little cable we got planned for tomorrow? Oh, this is the girl? No, it's your mammy. This is a kidnapping, right? That's right. So what's up with you guys? You're playing tribute to the Spice Boys or something? Hey, boss, what's going on? There has been an unauthorized kidnapping. The kidnappee happens to be my goddaughter. What? Is that true? The truth? Yeah, I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Shut up. There's a hit squad coming for your ass right now. Get him. Get him! He's after all of us. Fuck a lot. 
Let's work. From the team that brought you Broken Arrow and Face Off. Where you can't tell by the way I roll. Shorty, that I'm a ladies man, a businessman. Condoms down the shore, multi-million pension plan. But it ain't in my plan to make moves without the fan. No, can't keep it intact. Yo, cleft through the trap. John, play the map while I pay the tax. Business as usual, watching suspects. Break up with me? Uh, yeah. All right, brother. 1998's the big hit. <laughs> Directed by Kirk Wong. Yes. Or Chi Kirk Wong, if you will. A true product of the 90s. Yes, indeed. Especially the, uh, I don't know, do we want to call it the John Woo school of uh, action filmmaking? For sure, to the point where I had misremembered that this was not a John Woo proper right. movie, that this was produced by John Woo. Do you want to know the difference between the two? What's that? Not much. The doves? No, no, no. no. <laughs> the difference is... There's no doves. I clock so any doves. I listened to this on commentary with him. John Woo was on the commentary? No, the director. Oh, okay. Him and another fellow. Kirk Wong. Yes. And he says, for those of you who want to know what it's like to make a movie in America or Hong Kong, Hong Kong, America, you you, you have a limousine because there's a limousine. So he's like a limousine, and you just go and you do. And you know, if I want to, if I want to stop it, if I want to stop at you know and get a donut on the way in, I have to like tell the guy, hey, stop and get me a donut. And he'll say, no, I can't. I have to drive you to the set. He goes, no, we're going to take time. We're going to save this. So the five minutes it's going to take me to get a donut done here, I'll make that up, you know, down the road today. We're fine. It's like, in Hong Kong, you drive your own Honda Accord and do whatever you want, but you're the driver. <laughs> but if you're making a movie in America, you're riding in a limousine and you just got to do what they say. And if you want to do something on your own, you got to explain to people that you'll make it up and it'll be better down the road to get what you want to do now. You got to do all these things, go through all this different stuff. Mm-hmm. But in Hong Kong, you're you're driving a Honda Accord, but it's yours and you're driving it and, and you're making the movie. They're only expecting like 10 seconds of usable footage a day. Exactly. On, on most Hong Kong producers. <laughs> Pretty much, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, I say a product of the 90s because this movie obviously owes an ocean of debt to, to one, I mean, we can roll it back to one man, Quentin Tarantino, for the sensibility. Yes. yes. Now, yes, the the action factor is heavily inspired by John Woo's American output, for sure, but there's, there's hints of trying to bring the, you know, the hard-boiled and the killer flavor oh, yeah. to an American production. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the thing that I think maybe it was a little lost on me the first couple times because I was fairly young when I saw this. I probably nine ten somewhere in there. A lot of the dark comedy went completely kind of over my head or past me or didn't mm-hmm. quite register for how shocking it was. But you you could not have gotten to this without several bad like Pulp Fiction ripoffs in the mid nineties or whatever. And this comes all the way around, and you've got a band of contract killers, all who have their own interesting little quirks and everything, who are were very flippant about the body count, where you know, 
a lot of outright just comedic dialogue, just the tone of it in general. I don't think you could make this today. No. Just the general vibe of it. But it was an absolute blast to go back to. We open with the, you know, Marky Mark, the Wonky Bunch. Yeah. This is your pick. Mm-hmm. Fucking take the driver's seat. You we want me to take the driver's to seat? Jesus Christ. Yeah. We just talked about the Long Good Friday for like an hour. Right. Okay. So we got a, a cast full of like, I would argue... Some past the prime, some in their prime, some not yet have hit yet. We were talking about this last time. How Boogie Nights had already come out by the time this movie came out. He has fear as well. He's fear got the well. basketball diaries. He's, yes. you know, but he's this is the, what he can do. Yeah, but this is the first one where it's like, oh, that guy can be an action star. Yeah. And I and I'll and he argue, can be the true lead of the movie. Right. You can you can hang it on him. Right. Boogie Nights because, for as much as he's at the center of it, it's an ensemble piece. Like, yeah. And so, one of the things that I, because again, I went back and I, I probably shouldn't have done this. I watched half of it with the commentary from the director. Mm-hmm. I watched the other half with the commentary of the writer. Okay. Who has a lisp and talks kind of like, he kind of talks like how Sir Mix-a-Lot talks all the time. Okay. Or Bismarck Key. And he said that they were just trying to make a hip hop kung fu action comedy. Like that's what they wanted to make. Hip hop Hong Kong action comedy, and I think they, I think they, I think they nailed, nailed it. it. No, no, that's the thing. <laughs> he agrees they nailed it. And what, before we start, because you were getting into like the dark humor of himself, he says, "I'd like to think of myself as like John Hughes if he was a mean spirited bastard. Like that's <laughs> what I like to think of my writing is. I love this guy. I, I don't already. know what else I need to re- listen to this commentary. Look, you do. Um, he did Blood and Bone, starring Spawn himself, right? Mike Jai White. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, is that a stay tuned? Or a, are we doing that at some point? Stay tuned. Blood and Bone. Mike Jai White and Julian Sands. Hmm. Iman Walker from uh, from Oz. Yeah. That's got some people in it. Uh, Dragon Ball Evolution. He probably doesn't want you to know about that one. Uh, oh, and Love and a Bullet. I think that was yeah. Starring Tretch from Naughty by Nature. <laughs> um, Dude, if that cover is not ingrained in your brain just from of course, the VHS days, yes. where were you? Exactly. Obviously not at Blockbuster. You weren't just down saying. with OPP either. Never saw it, but I yeah. I know Love and a Bullet. Me too. On sight. Me too. <laughs> okay. um, so, but we're good. We're talking about, you know, first time, young time. Do you know who the original choice was for this movie? Yes, I do. Who? Martin fucking Lawrence. <laughs> no. Martin Lawrence. Jason Scott Lee was the first choice to play Marky Mark. The second choice. The I... directors say both. They're casting. They, they wanted Jason Scott Lee to do this. Where did I see Martin Lawrence in my research? It's probably something from the writer's from perspective. Yeah, they. I saw it was originally pitched as a Martin Lawrence vehicle. Probably by the writers, yes, for okay. the hip-hop kung fu part of it. But... The directors, when they were sitting down, they had really wanted him to do it. And, you know, we talk about colorblind casting all the time and just, like, more diversity and inclusion and everything. This is one of the most diverse casts for, like, a mainstream action movie that I Pretty can think much. of in terms of, like, actual, you know, giving people something to do. It's, it's, and it's commendable. A big person I don't think we talk, and it doesn't get mentioned in, in the same vein as this movie a lot that we don't talk about is Wesley Snipes. 
he produced. Yes, I noticed that this time. Never, he, he was never clocked supposed to be the. I assume he would have been the um, Avery Brooks character, right? That would he was sense. supposed to do that, but timing, of course, he could not. I'd be mad at Avery Brooks, dude. Fucking no, he's hot, fucking right? killing it, dude. Yeah. He is killing that shit. Um, the movie is also made up of a bunch of John Woo veterans. All of them, like they are all, have worked in and around John Woo for years. Mm-hmm. So when it came time for them to choose a director and had to go to bat for him, like he was like, no, I can, I can do this. Like we can, we can get this done. And a lot of times it was another one of those you hear about on certain sets where people are like, Oh, we got to do this, 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 and that. And he, and he's another big proponent of, let's just go do it. Let's just put the, we'll, we'll do it. You're like, okay, you got to get insurance clearance and stuff, but like, let's just go do this thing and we'll get it done. We can get, keep moving. Like he grossly underestimated how much, like time he was going to have to use on this. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's another thing at the top. Um, oh, that, that was, no, that was the only thing I had. The other thing can come in later. Uh, so yeah, so we've got this, we've got basically nice guy, Marky Mark. He's, you know, he's disposing of bodies. Yes. It immediately tips you off to the tone of the movie. Yes. We open with him accepting a body from Antonio Sabato Jr. Mm-hmm. And then he goes and we see presumably what is a daily occurrence for him where he's got, and then, we immediately are like, oh, are we going to have tension here? Because is that the girlfriend coming home? And oh my God, she can't find out that he's got a body. And well, it's not actually totally his girlfriend. And she's totally aware of what Everything. he does for a living. Um, which a lot of people in the movie are. And even the ones who find out subsequently, not, not as shocked by it as you maybe think they yeah. would be. Because Marky Mark, he's a fucking charmer in this movie, charmer, man. Dude. I got to be honest with you, Melvin Smiley. One of the more likable mass murderers. Yes, <laughs> dude. <laughs> Fucking great. Yes. Okay. So we get that very brief setup, and then they're immediately on a job. Right. Uh, him and his crew, which not much of a crew here. Nope. Uh, I love all. I love them. I love them all. But w- let's start with again. We mentioned it on the last cast. We don't have to throw too much shade at him, but how Antonio Sabato Jr. As Vince got on the poster, got his name in the in the major credits. I really, <laughs> that's what really I'm, don't understand. I forget, and I be- really feel bad for Robin Dunn for Gump because Gump should have been on that poster. He should have, dude. That's what, and I Gump wanna... Erasure. I'm saying it right here. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, that's the thing I wanted to mention. But I forgot about with Long Good Friday. There were some releases like. Of the movie where like Pierce Brosnan is on the cover. Oh yeah, and like Germany and stuff, they sell it as Bob Hoskins, Helen Mirren, and Pierce Brosnan. It's like spoiler alert. He's in it for three minutes and he doesn't talk. (laughs) Yeah. God, what a three minutes! It's a good looking three minutes. (laughs) All right, back to the big hit. Yeah. Okay. Um, Bokeem Woodbine. Oh my God, dude. He he kind of almost. If it weren't for who we're about to get to, Crunch. Bokeem Woodbine would steal the entire movie yes, from everybody. He would. The f- how deep they commit to the runner of this guy loves jacking it, dude. Because he just discovered. <laughs> he just discovered. It. He did fucking Why? since he was ten years old. Fucking since I was ten. And, yeah. The, the locker room conversation. We'll get to it after the the first big hit. But yeah, okay. Bokeem Woodbine, who I will mainly recommend for people if you have not watched Fargo season two, the man comes in and just destroys dude he's so good on that show 
such a great smart ass. Him and um, the home Patrick Wilson, excuse me, oh, going toe to toe is pretty. It's it's good stuff. It's fun to watch. Uh, oh, and he also goes toe to toe with Burn Notice. What's that guy's name? Can't remember. Couldn't you tell gotta you. watch Fargo, man. I great do. Show. Apparently, great show. Okay. You call the guy Burn Notice? You don't even what? know his name. Jeffrey Donovan? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, he's Burn Notice, dude. He's Burn Notice. you just call him Michael Weston? That's his name in Burn Notice. Might as well be his new actor name. I'll be honest with you, that might be like my odd CSI Miami. I've watched almost all of Burn Notice with Barum back in college. Wait, 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 wait. Does he get... Is he get burned in Miami? Like he's... Our show is in Miami. Oh, dude, fuck. Why are you not no, watching what? Burn Notice? Dude, I'm pretty sure it's all in Miami. It's tropical. Yeah, that is right, dude. I gotta watch, dude. That's about another Florida kick. There you go. Oh, fuck. All right. All right. I'll see you in three weeks when the, all six the crown are jewel done. of the team, the master manipulator, the reason to watch this movie beyond the fact that it's just a fucking joyride and it's just like an hour and a half of just pure fun, is LDP Lou Diamond Phillips as Cisco. Okay. Second he comes on screen, you're like, he is going for it. He came to play. He came to play with that Nick Cage face-off energy. Yes. <laughs> that big dick Nick Cage face-off energy. He was like, hey, there's a lot of young bucks in this movie. I've been around for a little... I'm fucking La Bamba, okay? I'm Richie Valens. <laughs> Richie! You think, you think I'm just gonna, you know, fucking sleepwalk my way through this performance? No, I am going to be at a fucking eleven all the time, and that's what I love. Though is it's not a it's not a yelling eleven, it's just a vibe, dude. It's just the way he carries himself this entire movie. He's he's out acting everybody. He's just he's just out doing it. Yeah. Okay. So they roll in like this. like Richie was here, Chavez was here, oh, Cisco is fucking through the roof. I think this is the best LDP performance ever, personally. I can you could throw other ones at me, but I don't know many other that I could put on this level. There's some that get close. We got to find out what Mom thinks of this of well, this one. Well, that's the thing. Mom has like six seasons of Logmire to deal with to where she, she loves that long, but movie. she fucking loves Lou Diamond Phillips, man. What's not to like? What is it to like? Okay. He's a fucking gem. So, they roll into this this nice hotel. They're getting situated. They're getting synchronized, etc. They're bantering. It's fun. He's talking about his boat. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta get that bonus. Gotta get the bonus hit. Okay. So, <laughs> they get ready. Bokeem cuts the power. Takes a minute. A little delayed. They roll in with night vision goggles. Shit gets crazy. We got first person video game cams. We got dudes getting blown through walls. Get, very, like, very desperado esque. Yes, a lot of like. Get just flown back. Like, the, that would not happen in real we life. We got Marky it's Mark comical. Breakdance gunfighting. Pretty much. Um, before too long, he's strapping cables to himself and bungee jumping essentially down stairwells and hop bouncing and shooting people in midair. And you're immediately like, whoa, this is different. Yeah. It's a little different. You got him rolling down the stairs. Like, right. On the railing. And in the midst of all of this, as he's just acing all of these dudes, fucking Cisco and Vince are just sitting like, having a conversation throwing, about. Like, uh, yeah, throwing tea. shots. They're like drinking. Pretending tea. that they're like. We're holding it back for you, baby. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, non dairy creamer? Just the, that little stuff. They roll into the room. 
shoot these guys who are already very, very dead, but just <laughs> did some great physical comedy and yes. acting of just like, I love, I love that. I, love, I get, you can't see what I'm doing right now. Cause this is a podcast, but yeah, the like gun pointed in the face and the pivoting away from it. So you don't get any spray on you. Yeah, that sort of no splatter uh, shot. Yeah. Yeah, they get to the guy who was the bonus. Dude, Cisco no, that, tagged that, that that's the only bone I have to pick with this movie. The way that that shot is that that obviously Melvin takes him out, and then he his guys are coming up the stairs, so he runs around the corner and throws a detonator pack mm-hmm. bungees out the window, and we have that crazy shot of that. But then when they're handing the bonus out later, they're like, "Oh, I got it," and it's the whole like foot down, like shooting like you want to, I'm like. Wouldn't that body have been incinerated? Because it makes it look like the entire floor goes out. Yeah. So it's kind of like, all right, a little bit of weird inconsistency. They would have had to do that split second after Melvin's already. To be honest with you. But you don't even care. I was just going with. Don't even care, dude. Because all you realize is that even though, yeah, we know Mel, Mel got the hit. He's a pushover. Yes, and he lets he's Cisco, a people pleaser. He's a people he doesn't want pleaser. anybody to not like him. And this even extends to Cisco, who's a giant cock dude. Yes. He's just like fuck this guy from the get go. But yeah, so he gets the bonus. Avery Brooks is their like supervisor, their handler essentially. Yeah. yeah, and as they're rolling out, I believe this is where he first mentions like some extracurricular activity. Yeah, some an, another caper that they might could get into, and he's like, no, I don't, you know. Paris, which is Avery Brooks' character, like he would kill us if we went out outside of the books or something that was yeah. sanctioned, essentially. So he's like, fuck no, I'm not doing this kidnapping job, whatever you're plotting. He goes home, and this is where we realize he's got a fiance in addition to the other girlfriend-ish person that he's trying to keep happy, who is also just like completely manipulating him and trying to like drain him dry for right. money. Um. Christina Applegate in prime late 90s Christina Applegate form. Mm. Uh, is his girlfriend. Romy or Michelle, whichever one she is. Not in that movie. but I thought okay. she was in Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion. Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion, which I just rewatched the other day. Oh, that's Lisa Kudrow and Mira Sorvino. My bad. Why do I get Christina Applegate? Oh, Mira well, was in Replacement Killers, which is right around the same time. Ah, okay. I get that blonde hair. I get it. I don't know. Anyway, Veronica Corningstone is in this movie. Go ahead. She certainly is. Yeah. Uh, and we get the classic setup. Marky Mark's just not Jewish enough, you know? He isn't. <laughs> um, Poor her, thing. Her parents are coming to town. One of them played by Elliot Gould. Oh, my God. It's incredible. The most Jewish. Doesn't say much. All, Doesn't all say Jewish much. Dads. But when he does, uh, he is hilarious. And who's the mom? Who else do we know the mom from? It's Lainey Kazan. She's, what else uh, was she in? My big fat Greek wedding. That's it. Yeah, she's the, that's the other one. Yeah, she's the main mom, if I'm not mistaken, or one of the aunts. But she and she was in Gili. Yeah, I never saw Bro, it. Gili fan. You never seen Gili? Nope. I might have to make you watch it. Never seen Jersey any, Girl either. You know what? Not, not nearly as bad as everybody thinks it is. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it's, it's pleasant. Pacino and Christopher Walken, dude. We should watch it sometime. Okay. Together. Together. Commentary track that works. For Gili. Okay. Um. So we get the tension. They haven't told him they're getting married yet, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, where, what is the impetus for like he's got to get? He's got to actually take the job. What makes him actually want to go get the money? I forgot. It, something. It was at the to be able to like buy her 
buy her a ring or something. I don't know what it was. I think that's part of it. There's pressure from the other girlfriend as well. But basically, eventually, he's like, okay, I gotta. I mean, eventually, it just becomes like making people happy. Like, they're like, oh, you gotta go do this. Yeah, this would set me up for a bit. I'm not flush with cash right now. Right. Um, We also get our introduction to the, the running gag of the King Kong Lives tape which he has still not returned. And he gets called from Big Top Video, right? Yes. Big Choices in Clerks. Big Top is the, the franchise. Yes. Uh, he has the irate um, manager there constantly yelling out about King Kong Lives. There, I did see a detail where apparently this guy was never, so you weren't supposed to see him on screen until mm-hmm. the very end, but like they liked the actor so much that they were like, yeah. no, let's get this shit going like back and forth. So you have that shit starting and the escalation there. They agree to take the kidnapping job. Who are they going to rip off? Well, he's only one of the most wealthy businessmen in the area, right? Right. Japanese businessman. Except he just went bankrupt. Why? Because he spent because all his money. He spent all of his money on the most expensive movie ever made, Taste the Golden Spray. Yes. And he cast himself oh, in the lead it. role. This is, Lord, it, this is Lord Norinaga. Name yes. rings a bell. <laughs> this Lord is Norinaga the, if from you, if Teenage Mutant yes. Turtles 3. If you made it that Turtles far, in you time. know exactly who we're talking yes, about. Yes, exactly. Uh, and you will recognize him from several other I'm sure there's probably well. like some really great Japanese film that like he's known for. And it's like, oh, this guy, he's amazing. Well, but like he's, love, just, like he's just Norinaga to yeah, us. I love the poster. Which looks like some like Kurosawa epic from the like 50s. a sweeping epic. Exactly. Yes, that's the best part. But they're just they're like, well, it was your idea, sir, to spend all of <laughs> this <your> money. money. <laughs> oh god, great stuff. So we immediately are like, all right. So they're kidnapping the daughter of a guy who's not going to be able to pay the ransom. This is not going to end well. Uh, we get our introduction to her. It's China Chow, who's. Pretty fantastic in this movie, if I do say so myself. I think everybody pretty much comes to play. The director, and gets ta- the, tone. the director talks about it that like when when they met, she was just like she thought the uh, somebody else was the director. She thought he was the producer, and uh-huh. she she told the producer like, oh, I, I mean, I don't know if I really want to do it. I don't think the director likes me. I think I was like, I think he hates me. Like he, <laughs> he's like he's like, oh, uh, that's me. <laughs> they get, they, well, they finally convinced her to do it. And it wasn't until like the rap party when they took her to dinner that like. She said, oh, yeah, by the way, like, I thought you were the producer when we first did this. Um, I thought you hated me. (laughs) And so, but they, because apparently her family is really famous for, like, the actress's family is famous for some type of. Her father is Michael Chow. Right. Who's, like, one of the most famous restaurateurs. Right, yeah. Ever, basically, but specifically Mm -hmm. in the New York scene. So she plays Kiko. She's the daughter. Um, She's at a prep school. She's got a shitty wannabe boyfriend slash rapist <laughs> yeah yeah glad it doesn't go there but basically the plant mel they stop the limousine up the road melvin subs in as the limo driver it's pretty clean they're just gonna go pick her up take her out they don't account for the shitty boyfriend right potential rapist to show up but anyways he gets very very handsy which totally makes us okay with Wahlberg shooting him immediately Dude, and not? again his performance in these moments of just like, I'm really sorry about your boyfriend back there. I'm really sorry to do that He's, back there. It's so the great, voice, dude. He just the way he, it. The way he just plays that sweet, innocent boy voice that he has when he's trying to like make you not feel bad. It's yeah. just like, bro, you literally could have written your... In, you. That's how you get shit done. That's how you get deals made. 
That's how you get that Spencer movie made with Peter Berg. Yeah. You turn that voice back on Mm -hmm. and people are just like, yes, all right. Okay, Mark. Sure. Whatever. And that's that. Like, that's what happens. So great stuff. They didn't have enough of this in the trailer as far as I was concerned, but uh, Cisco trying to get her to read the ransom note. Right. (laughs) I will. Like we wrote it. (laughs) But I will not be for boring. Just, (laughs) I, I, I don't. Yeah. It's so great funny, banter dude. between them. All of like, all of the comedy really held up for me. There's some cringeworthy stuff where you get some f bombs thrown around. There's maybe a little whatever, but it was for the most part. I just had a blast too. I was chuckling throughout. So that, we get that okay. scene you skipped. We skipped over the locker room scene. Oh yes, all of the me. listen. All of them agreed. Yeah, dude, we'll do it completely naked, dicks out. Like we don't care, right? But the day that it came to shoot. They started shooting, and, like, every woman on set was not leaving. Right. <laughs> so the director's like, all right, get them out of here. And apparently a couple times they start going, and, like, they're naked, but, like, they, you know, they're still trying to cut around. And the director's like, Bokeem, like, I keep seeing your dick. <laughs> and he's like, what? He's like, I keep seeing your dick. And finally, he's, like, realized Bokeem had put a sock over his dick because he didn't want to just be... But the... The, the way in which the director scribe describes how huge his dick is, he's like, it's the biggest dick I've ever seen. Like, he's just... On the commentary. On the commentary, dude. You have to go back and listen. Just, it's, because it, oh, it's not God. deep, it's not longer in the movie, but just to hear him go in detail about yeah, how I'm big, so, it's it's I'm hilarious. Sorry. So, of course, and, well, that right there makes me wonder, I'm like, were all of these jerk-off references in the script? Or did they just like this gag so much that they just kept shoehorning it in? Listen, that's why you you have to go back and watch it with the writer because I guarantee you the writer for all it is, but having to listen to him and like him kind of drone on about some stuff that's useless, he does give a really good insight as to like what we put, what he put in the script, where he was going with it, what his influences were. Mm -hmm. So I think it does bear another watching with that because like I've seen, we both seen it a million times. I will definitely. I will, I will I'll bring it back, Jeff. I forgot to bring yes. it, but like I'll drop it off, and you definitely got to watch it with the writer's guy. In that locker room scene, for people who haven't seen it, again, I don't know why you're listening at this point, but spoiler alert for the big hit. But there is the setup of <laughs> Bokeem Woodbine's character, Crunch, who has just discovered jerking off for the first time and is now basically in love with his own two hands. Right. And he doesn't, doesn't even know. has no interest in women anymore. <laughs> he's scheduling out time for when he's going to do it again. <laughs> he's got progressively throughout the movie more and more like, like those hand the, grip yeah, pumps that you like, do for yes. like resistance training when for your he's forearms. Ca- he's calling him to be like, there's a hit squad on you. And he's, he's like, so at, he's like, at a, he's like at a fucking train station in the middle in public with this thing. Let me get that lanolin. No aloe vera shit. All right. <laughs> yes. One of my favorite runners, and we will we'll save the best one for last. But okay. oh my god, yes! Yeah. All right, so we get that set up, and we get we of course have the setup that like Cisco's a dick, and then Antonio Sabato Jr. Vents just disappears, and all of a sudden there's this new guy on the new caper, Gump, who's he's a stutterer. So they Vince call has him something Gump. to do. He's like out of town for the weekend. Yes, yeah, just out of the movie randomly, and I'm like, it it is a very odd thing, other than like. Did you want to just not have to kill Sabato Jr. at some point? I so you didn't want him subbed into that role? But, okay. So, the caper is in motion, essentially, that they're going to try and blackmail him. But they make Melvin keep her, Kiko, the right. kidnappy, at his home. 
So, of course, we're going to get into a giant, basically, French bedroom farce where he is trying to hide the young Japanese schoolgirl who, I found that in my research as well, originally she's written to be a high schooler. It was going to be very, like, anime-inspired, but right. given where some of it goes with the, the romance and, unfortunately, again, the rapey tone with the boyfriend, it was decided that we should make this, like, a prep school or like a college age yeah, you know oh age her up a little bit yes so she's supposed to be like over 18 or 19 so if that makes you feel better anyways so he's trying to hide her at the house etc meanwhile cisco is trying to pull off a kidnapping and these guys are fucking morons in case you had piece that together so it doesn't go well um and of course, oh dude, the, now we get into the the Trace Buster, and the Trace Buster Buster, and the Trace Buster Buster Buster. 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 <laughs> oh god, great stuff. Uh, of course, oh my god, but when we cut to Kiko's dad, he's about to commit harakiri in the middle of the right, <laughs> yeah, right. He's about to be done. Yes, I have no money. He's so, just. She, he called, and then little do we know, of course, he and Paris, their boss at the Hitman firm, yeah. are old buddies. They're best friends, and Kiko is his goddaughter. Big fucking, fucking mistake. mistake. All right? <laughs> so, and this is, I mean, this is the scene that stretches all, like, you know, goes beyond believability, but you just gotta go with it, which is where Cisco gets called in for the roundup, and it's like, okay, so... She's been kidnapped. We have to figure out where he is. You know, and he's playing it so broad where it's like, "Hey, I'm pretty sure Cisco did it." Like, Paris, are you are you watching this? Like the way he's playing the scene, he definitely did it. He definitely has something to do with it. But he gets put, and I, again, I have no idea why, but he gets put at the top of the chain of like, "You're leading the hunt for for these people, for these kidnappers." So you got to find yourself, basically. But it's like, why the fuck would this asshole be put in charge, like, of this whole group of like amazing hitmen? Apparently, I mean, he got the he's you know he got the bonus. He got the bonus. It's all just bullshit, of course. So, uh, there's more getting to know you stuff between Melvin and Kiko when the parents are out. Uh, there's the whole thing of don't give Elliot Gould any alcohol. So that's a runner throughout the whole thing. Uh, Eventually, he they have it set up to where basically they're gonna call Gump and he's like Gump's smart he just won't answer. don't fucking answer right but Gump's like oh, I'm gonna step up I'm gonna show yeah, them what I got Cisco's not there and yeah so they trace the call with the trace busta 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 bust. right and so he has to roll in and he does the fake out thing where it's basically like oh Melvin's behind this oh you don't say like all of this and then kills Gump. In right. front of all these dudes. And you're like, all right. So he's, he th- flipped th- it on nice guy Melvin. Screwed him over once again. And the, 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 the author, I remember, or the author, the writer in that part of me, he's like, talks about like, yeah, we, we had to figure out a way to like make Cisco, like you don't want Cisco to be the bad guy. Like he's kind of this piece of shit, but like eventually we had to do something like this is Cisco. This is where he turns full it's bad guy and when like he, you yeah. want. And you that like, totally plays. When he kills yeah. Gump, you're pretty much like, all right, he's Fuck charming, and I like watching this guy. I love the performance, but he's got to go down at some yeah. point. Uh, so eventually, he and some of his goods show up at Melvin's parents' ha- or yes, at Melvin. It's, and it's his house. Apple, yes, at Applegate's place, which means he has two different houses, right? 
Yes. Because there's the one, like, the girlfriend. Presumably one is just he's paying for, like, for two mortgages. Person. Yes. That no, I think that's the it. Two that's, mortgages is that's why he the needs caveat money, as to why he needs the money, right? Because yes. he can't do all of his dirty work in the the main house where he's right. going to be living his quote unquote normal life, and she does not know. Christina Applegate does not know what he does for a living. No, not at all. Kept completely in the dark until this scene. Which uh, I love when he's like, Pam, were you going to break up with me? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. So, Elliot Gould finally finds his way into the alcohol, mixes it with the prune juice. <laughs> Disgusting combination, <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, so he's getting trashed, finally starts speaking his mind about, like, basically, fuck my wife, fuck my daughter, too, like, you know, whatever. Melvin, I tried to warn you. You're just going like, to become me. Yeah. Yeah. And he makes this, you know, huge scene. All the while, we have the tension of, we know there's guns under the table. When's it going to happen? So, I won't call it Hitchcockian, but it's... A little bit. It, it's, it's, it gets there. Yeah. But eventually, tablecloth comes off, double barrel shotgun, through the glass. Things go haywire. Shoot out in the house. Cisco manages to get away. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> But yes, you get the whole. Were you about to break up with me? Yeah. yeah. Then we get then my the, my favorite thing is we get like, you know, him and Kiko on the run. Are right, you got to say just hey, go to the videotape store? I'll be there. You yeah, know. he's already put her in the back of is was that a transit? What is it's that? a Fiero? I Fiero. thought. Gotcha. Um, or it might have been a trans. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, he what does he do? Because he's. He's like a bad. It's like when he finally. It's like the Melvin gets his balls back scene or whatever. Because like he, he's driving. Cisco's chasing him. He winds up like we've we've had side cutaways to the girlfriend who's been trying to fuck him over the whole time, and her making away with her other lover on the side. And yeah, they're like, hey, we burned Melvin for all this money. Now we're gonna get out of here. Um, and she oh she even brings the dead body over at one point that he was like storing at the house because she's like we're getting out of town right yes so out on the road they cross paths again they get spun out right she sees him basically be a badass and is like no but i'm so sorry we're going like, out. he's yeah. like you were gonna return you were gonna, you weren't even gonna return this were yeah you? they were gonna take his king kong lives tape because the dude liked it the other boyfriend <laughs> and so he's like oh, you were gonna keep this oh, my god so he gets the tape back he kind of gets to like settle that part Right, that relationship. Things are already settled with Christina Applegate and her family. That's pretty much blown to shit. All right. I love that he gets in the corner and it's like, I can't be the only one. What he says something about, I can't be the only one in this relationship or making this relationship work. I gotta do this. I gotta, we're gonna go away together. Like, I can't be the only one falling in love here or whatever. She's like, yeah. no, I love you too. They do have really solid chemistry, even though earlier in the movie she kind of like seduces him, but still at that point not quite trusting so she tries to run away and he has to basically knock her out and put her in the back of the car so but we get that they have chemistry it's very truncated towards the end but it's like all right they're gonna get together whatever right chase continues yes into the woods i think this is the iconic shot from the trailer other than the opening shootout scene right but it's him running in front of the car flip right just great stuff uh so yeah, him and Cisco kind of car battle for a bit, right. essentially. He's, He's out running through foot. the woods, um, and then he thinks he the car he comes down he blew on it him. up, right? Yeah. yeah. He, well, the car comes down on him. And you think, and he dives into the water. And you think he's good, so he gets up and he goes to the video to the video store. store to return his tape. And not two seconds later, we get a cutaway <laughs> to Cisco <like, coughs> kicks back in the doors. 
And then we get a flashback to what happened, and he actually like got away or Dove whatever. off right at the last and second. you're like, all right, that was pretty cute, whatever. And we did miss the moment earlier where Bokeem calls and tells him, like, hey, the hit squad's headed towards you. So we get that, like, he's still a good guy. He's still on Melvin's side. He was looking out for him earlier. Right. He was going to cover him on, like, ten grand just for the hell of it because he needed it to get by. Yeah. Um, you get all that stuff. So now we have our final set-piece fight in, in the, the video, video store. store. And, of course, the nerd, the video clerk nerd is losing his shit. The whole time, I'm through. He and says, "I'm through is, with your lousy prices, your 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 terrible selection, selection, and like yeah. your rewind policy or whatever." Yeah, he's like, ridiculous. Looks like you got some late fees, and he's like, "Oh, and you forgot to rewind. It's going to be extra charge." Yeah, and I love just the, I love the commitment. Anytime you're like, "Hey, we got this set. We own everything in it. We're gonna fucking wreck." Every inch of this set, all right? Do it. They were going to use the whole thing. And apparently, I love most of the movie posters in the background and the movies on the shelves are all trauma movies. Yes. Because they were cheap to get the licensing yep. to. I love that. And it's like, yeah, if you went to a video store that was predominantly trauma movies, you'd probably get sick of the selection pretty <laughs> Probably. Yeah. And explains why King Kong Lives is a fucking movie there. Yes. If it's a trauma movie. So, they're battling... Uh, all through this, there's some great dialogue, but the the quintessential, the quote I sent you, which is my favorite, they eventually they end up on the scaffolding, the chandelier at the top. Let's, I'm let's, talking over some of your favorites. We need so to do. do we it. need to do the payoff. The payoff to the final end to the Bokeem Woodbine joke is that as they're yes. fighting, they get to the adult section and they look up and it says customer, customer of, the of the month, and it's a photo of him with both thumbs up like just uh-huh like he's just been running <laughs> i i the, honestly lost count but i think that is the fifth that's the fifth the like, rule of fives <laughs> it's like the fifth hardcore bokeem woodbine loves jack and it joke in this movie yes. and it is when they pause dead in the middle of their final epic fight scene to make that joke that is when you know this movie is firing on all every fucking cylinder there is i remember my buddy perk telling me about that scene before I'd ever seen, like, sat down and watched it. <laughs> he just kept making the joke about the dude can't stop jerking off. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and so when I finally, it's like, even in the end where That's they're fighting, the takeaway, when yeah. they, in when they're fighting, like, they see him and he's like, on a poster for the, the best customer. I'm like, the fuck is this movie? <laughs> and that's when I found out, like, the big hit. Like, I found out about this movie because of Perk. Yeah. So, Shout yeah, but we're Perk. getting, there we go. So, eventually, <clears throat> They get on the scaffolding. Right. They're fighting back and forth. Marky Mark gets the upper hand. He stabs um, Cisco in the chest. Right. With his own knife, I believe. Uh, yes. He's got that cool little curved blade knife and everything. Just like what's your like, face from True Detective Season 2? Yeah. Bazaridis. Yeah. But yeah. My my favorite exchange in the entire movie, though, is... All I want is go sail my boat. You know, see some dolphins swimming by. Maybe even kill a few of them. <laughs> Can you see it, Mel? You see it? Yeah, you man. See it, buddy. You're there, man. You're there, man. You're there. I love You're that. You're so money. Even you didn't in, even know it. Yeah, <laughs> even in his, even in his death, this guy has completely like fucked you over at every turn. I love that Marky Mark. Just he's got to be a nice guy, yeah. man. He's got to the point that like Cisco is uh, definitely like putting him. A... Yeah, he has another one of those like. C4 charge, chest charges charge, or whatever yeah. and like yeah clicks yeah. it together thing goes up we see it blow up from the or no he's Melvin's about to make it out he comes outside but he sees Paris, Paris everybody yeah 
and is like, oh, fuck, got to run back inside. He runs back inside. Boom. Place blows. Oh, my God. Melvin's dead. Oh, no. Double fake. I love that literally they just did it with Cisco like five minutes earlier and that we get it again almost immediately. But so Kiko gets picked up at school again. Right. And you're like, oh, he's going to be in the front seat. Fuck yeah. But they, they mess with you just a little bit. All of a sudden, Vince is back. All of a sudden, Antonio Sabato Jr. is like, hey, guys, remember me? I'm in this movie, too. Yeah. He's like, going anywhere? Or are you looking for a getaway, miss? I forget. Looking to get away or yeah, something like that? Looking to yeah. get away. Um, Vince? And then, or no, not Vince. Chief. Melvin? Yeah. Rolls and then, out. It's not him. And then, surprise, he is actually there. He shows up. And, and we'll, again, the man kicks in, which they've used a couple times at that point. Um what happened? He's like, you know, your father's... Uh, your yeah, father- this is the best part. His giant statue for Taste the Golden Spray. He was like, it's really sturdy. Yeah. And we get the cut back to, yeah, I, was, I just took cover under that, basically. Yeah. And I was totally fine. And now let's run off and live our lives together. Yep. That's pretty much it. Great happy ending. Again, terrible Joe Jackson cover, but I still enjoyed it. And we totally missed their, the love theme, which comes back multiple times. Oh, yeah. You know who that is? No. It's Robbie Fuck. Oh my god! Or he has a cover of it, but when I looked it up, um, she's nope. the one. If there's somebody, yeah, okay, leading me up, well, she's the one. <laughs> so, in in part of the writing, having watched the commentary with the writer, they were going to kill Melvin off at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know, the dark comedy bits and stuff. Like as we got it out there, like. You send your script to Hollywood, they send it back with some changes, but, you know, you got to be able to willing to work with people. And so when it's like, okay, Melvin's not going to die, all right, well, let's amp this up and make it as crazy and out there and as wild as we can be if we're not going to end it with him. It's supposed to be a lot less comedy, a lot more darker, like, and brutal, see, that, gritty. And, like, that's the thing is I love the setup, incredibly simple, the just kind of botched extracurricular job that goes wrong and turns into a bunch of hijinks and everything. And the idea of like, okay, well, they're not small-time criminals. They're like professional killers. Takes it up a notch. But then you add the comedy on top of it. And yeah, yeah I see how, especially when you've got performances that are as big as Lou Diamond Phillips in this, you want you realize you kind of want to lean into them at a certain yeah, point. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. You, you know, okay, like, I don't think it was the first choice to have the, the rich father not be rich. It was like, well, that'd be a funny gag because what if they can't even get yeah, any money for it? It's yeah. these little tiny things that like you think are so, I mean, in a way, if you look at all the genres they're taking from, they are a little bit like they spin it a good bit and kind of like, you know, make it their own thing in terms of, you know, again, a hip hop Hong Kong action comedy. Again. And I think they give, nailed it. Give me more of these. I'm, well, that's what he said. You can't make it now. Yeah. He knew what they knew what they were doing. He said a lot of people he said one of the things he had a problem with with reviewers was that like people were like, Oh, these people didn't know what they were trying to make. He's like, Yeah, we're stupid. We don't know what we're trying to make. We don't know right. that we're no. tr- we set out to make I, this thing. And I and I get it. I understand that a lot of people want to feel that way, but I think it's it is one of those no per like you want to talk about tone and how you negotiate something like that. It's it's one of the most note perfect movies. In terms of tone, I've ever seen. It's so much fun. It's a yeah. total blast. I loved going back to it. You know, the I'm going to watch it with content. What's that? This came out the same weekend as American History X. Tough break. Yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm. Definitely counter program. Both movies have Avery Brooks, Avery Brooks in them. Yeah. Yep. In, a, in very important roles. Yes. Uh, yeah. The, on a rewatch, this, this is still like an 8.5 or a 9 for me. I love the big hit. Still a charmer. 
and I think anything that you may find hasn't aged well, like it just adds to the charm factor to right. me personally. This is one of those like artifacts of the late nineties that is right. just kind of like perfectly realized. I had an absolute blast with it. I did too. Thank you for making me watch it again. Of course. Um, do we do we get to the ceremonious uh, picking of the next movies? So I think we now? need to because we are officially two hours. Oh, wow. and twenty minutes into this podcast. That's just how much fun we had with. Uh, it's a long, good podcast. Yeah, the long, one good podca- long, big hit Friday. <laughs> the long, good podcast. The long, good, big hit. Sure. What do you got one for me? Big, long, good hit. Oh, it's a streamer. Ooh. <laughs> we got a streamer. You want me to go first? Yeah, go first. So, dare I say you enjoyed Dame Helen Mirren in The Long Good Friday? Yeah, I did. Would you like to see a little more of her? Uh, yeah, I could. <laughs> I could get I'm not asking it. you, I'm telling you. We're going to 1989. All right. The cook, the thief, his wife, and her lover. For Mr. Peter Greenaway. Have you ever seen this movie? I watched it last weekend, actually. Are you f- no, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I would have seen that on there. No, you wouldn't. Um, it is available to rent on Prime right now. It is also available for a cheap purchase, which is what I will be doing. I apologize in advance for any of our more sensitive listeners. You may not want to watch this one. Um, I have only seen it once. Possibly a little too young. It is, it is NC-17. What? It is one of the more twisted and fucked up movies ever made. Um, and I was completely floored by it the first time I saw it. Again, I, th- I can't remember if this was on the tail end of the Sycamore era, so I'm like 14 or 15, or if this is just the tail end of high school and I was doing Netflix through the mail. And this was just a notorious one I had heard about. So I saw this anywhere between the ages you of 13 and 17. On VHS from Sycamore? I did purchase it when they were closing it down. That's why I know it. Yeah. I found it this weekend. Oh, okay. You have I the went, VHS? I went, but no, no. I went back through all the stuff in my room to like find more stuff to get rid of. I found a box that had a ton of your comic books and a shit ton of Sycamore videos that you bought. And that's why the name, well, when you were taking it, when you said it, I was taking a second, because I definitely saw it in that box. So that's okay. where, okay. Well, regardless, I don't own a DVD copy Right, it, yeah, so yeah, I'm yeah. I'm going to purchase it on Prime. Go for it. It'll be there for you to watch if you don't want to watch the VHS. But that's that's all I really, it is completely unique. I've never seen another Peter Greenaway movie. I may actually dive back into him after this. Pretty notorious for the time. Helen Mirren, Michael Gambon. And uh, say no more. All you a, gotta say is Dumbledore. Very, there's, That's a, <laughs> there's a young man in there who you'll recognize, but I won't spoil it for you. Okay, good. You'll get to it when you get to it. It's a twisted little movie. Again, I apologize in advance for anybody who doesn't want to take the ride with us, but that is my pick The Cook, The Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover. Okay. From 1989. We're going from the start of the Mirren 80s to the end of the Mirren 80s. And what a change it is from Long Good Friday. I'm sure, yeah. Okay. All right, lay it on me, dude. Right. The suspense so is So what I did me. was I picked this movie based off of the the complete pleat. Complete pleat? The, 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 the joy of the of, of the sweet Irish rouge that, that, that you didn't want to spoil for me. And I'm going to make you watch this Taffin. movie. <laughs> Have you ever seen Taffin? I've never seen Taffin. Taffin. That's... 
Tavern from 1987, directed by Francis McGahey. Starring Pierce Brosnan as Tavern. Mark Tavern. Let me explain. They needed a hero. They got a one-man army. Aye, they did. <laughs> Dude, no, this is the epitome of like... Okay, so what I'm looking at Listen. for the for the listening audience, I'm looking at an old school MGM DVD. If at a glance you would think that Pierce Brosnan in Taffin is a lost James Bond movie that you never saw from the cover alone. Yes, of course. They are totally trying to sell this to you as a lost James Bond movie. <laughs> this is at, this is like reproduced after he got made Bond. Yes. Now I'll give you this. If I'm not mistaken, God, he looks like a million fucking dollars dude, on the back of brother, this. Brother, his five o'clock shadow. Listen, my God, this entire movie, Pierce Brosnan fucks. I'm okay. serious, dude. Well, he does in the movie, but like seriously, I love this. Is okay. this is? I think if I'm not mistaken, this is the first starring, anchoring a movie role that is listed for him. I think I don't know. This is probably his coming out party prior to um, what's the show? Remington Steel. This is done as Remington Steel is either getting started or like after the first break, because this is same year that he would have been doing Living Daylights, but he couldn't because famously he was like, "We're not getting picked up. I'm going out the door. I'm gonna go do Taffin." That's not a Pierce Brosnan. Well, no, he's saying he he was gonna go out the door to go to go sign with being James Bond. They called to know Remington Steel got picked up, and so he couldn't do it. And I, this is a, I watched it the other day. I don't really necessarily know what's going on in terms of how they view things because they want a lot of bad shit done, but they don't want anybody killed. And they want I'm like, they don't. I'm so sorry. What? The female lead's name is Allison Duty. <laughs> D-O-O-D-Y. Duty. Yeah. Just had to get it out of the way now. Her so. name's Charlotte in the movie. <laughs> Dude, I can't wait. The, no, this is a this is the epitome of like if I was over visiting right now and I saw it on the shelf, I'd be like, dude, never seen Taffin. Let me get Taffin. Let me make sure it's the right movie in here. All right, I'm excited, dude. I'm gonna give you a hint. You need to put the widescreen face down because I had to flip back and forth a couple times because I was getting a little shit faced, or shitty, mad because I I put it in with the I put it in normally. Label you side up. Yeah. yeah, full screen the whole thing. Well, then I put it in widescreen, and I'm like, wait a minute, this doesn't come up. I didn't let the movie play far enough. So I put it back in, and I'm like, everything's full screen. So I finally put it in widescreen side down the second time, and let it get through the opening credits, and then it be, no, it didn't. This movie doesn't have a widescreen, sorry. You're going to have to watch it in full screen. <laughs> but there's no pan and scan? What's the deal here? I don't know. It's Unless a, you can figure a, something out with your It's a double th- disc. Okay. So enjoy. Good. Yeah. Okay. So this was a long one. Apologies. Thank you to anybody who made it this far. If you have any thoughts on this 2x2 two two retro review or anything we've covered recently, the at gmail.com is where you can find us. And also shout out us on Instagram at the Archive Network, on Twitter at the Archive, or on Facebook. Just search the Archive. Gavin handles Facebook. I handle Instagram. And our good friend, Mr. Sunshine Mayfield, handles the Twitter. So follow that accordingly. Okay. Now. Again, next. What's the deal on Taffin? We got a rental for people. I we, don't know if it's on. Give me two seconds to check. I don't rightly know if it's available. Okay, again, for my pick: the cook, the thief, his wife, and her lover from 1989 is available for rent on Amazon Prime right now. It might be available through 
like a premiere movie channel i'm not sure but it's three bucks and it's worth your time again though look into it a little bit i don't want to spoil things here but if it doesn't seem like it's up your alley i don't want you to do two hours and 20 minutes of the movie you're going to end up being disgusted and hating so taffin is uh for streaming on the Tubi tv oh uh, Tubi, which is free to everyone yes uh it's just a download especially if you have a ps4 or i guess enter any internet browser you can get to it uh yeah so you can find that there or you can buy this handy dandy old mgm dvd which i'm sure goes for about 250 on amazon pretty much something like that Okay, so next time on 2x2 Retro Reviews, I just love saying it, I'm sorry, the cook, the thief, his wife, and her lover, okay, and Taffin. And Taffin. <laughs> and Taffin. What if that's a new movie we just made? It might be. We'll see who the goes thief. first next what, what, Wait, what is it again? The thief, the, the what? The cook. The cook. The thief. The thief. His wife. His wife. And her lover. The cook, the thief, his wife, her lover, and Taffin. And Taffin. <laughs> it's yeah. just the way people say his name's ridiculous, too. Taffin. He's dude. I'm, listen, I'm, I'm amped. Mark Taffin's a man you can go to if you can't go to the law. If you got to get things done or get your debts collected, <laughs> he's the man to go to. Trust me. You're way better at this than you are at the the old Cockney accent. All right, I yeah. can't do Cockney accents. It's not my thing. It's not what I like to do. <laughs> All right. Sometimes I draw it, it out is, too much. It is almost one in the morning. It's almost one we in the have, morning. We have neighbors, and uh, we have neighbors. Yeah. I have neighbors. Noah has you have neighbors. To leave here. You have to get the fuck out of my car. I've got to go get your toilet paper out of my car. Get it out of the boot of my car. Me. You're right. Out of the boot. All right. Yeah. So go ahead and sign us off there, brother. Until next time, I'm not going to do it like nah, this. No, do it like that. It sounds ah, great. Whatever. Might it's as well. It's already been two and a half great hours. Great record. <laughs> <laughs> I just sit here with my guitar gently wimpy. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Until next time. <laughs> I've been, been Noah and I've been Gavin and we've been the Blanchard Brothers and we'll see you on the flip side <laughs> stay safe stay tuned and keep all the stuff we keep telling you to do you're lucky we still let you be on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> do your do your like that I like that I like the sign the sign off thing you do what oh I'm sorry <laughs> until next time <laughs> stay safe stay smart and stay tuned I <laughs> That'll do, pig. That'll do. <laughs> That'll do. <laughs> <laughs>